You're listening to the Opie and Anthony channel on Sirius XM. The Ron and Fez show starts. Come on. Now! Buddies, it's the Ron and Fez show. On what science now tells us is the second day of October, 2013. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. This is a radio talk show, a call-in show. And your calls are welcomed here about any topic at all you'd like to talk about. 
866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. You just pick up the phone, call the show, and we begin to have a conversation. I'll give you an example of this. There's a guy named Keith in Connecticut. Keith, what would you like to talk about? Uh, just over the AP, uh, Tom Clancy has passed away. Tom Clancy died? What, what, how, how did that even happen? I, I don't know. It just Espionage? <laughs> had to be, right? Uh, you a Tom Clancy reader? I've, uh, re I've read Tom Clancy stuff, yeah. I never was, uh, that's never been my uh, kind of book uh, to read. But, oh man, this goes back a lot of years, about 10, 12 years ago. I was uh, I had tickets for the Conan O'Brien show or Coco, as you kids call him. Hashtag. Um, hashtag Coco. So uh, the last guest of the show was Tom Clancy, and we're talking about two thousand, two thousand one, maybe two thousand two. And Mr. Clancy uh, was wearing like some kind of general's, you know, yeah. trucker hat. That was get up. As if he had just gotten off an aircraft carrier. In the middle of this uh, thing, he tells Coco an amusing AIDS joke <laughs> that, no kidding at all, like, you just felt every asshole in the audience just puckered up oh. of, you know, like, people didn't even boo him, but there was a shock of that someone would not like an, an offhanded remark about AIDS, but... Oh, I got a you know a joke for you, and delivered this joke that had something to do with you know, I can't remember you know it was gonna like a prick it whatever it was, uh, but stop the code. So I'm enjoying the fact that I now know that in a matter of hours I'll turn on my TV and watch America get pissed off at an AIDS joke. Um, AIDS joke did not make the TV show. They went in, scissored it out. <laughs> uh, they they just quickly, when it got to that point, they showed uh, children boxing in the Philippines, and then back out to something else. No, they didn't show that. Censorship. But, yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is censorship, or just good taste. Uh, speaking of which, this is kind of interesting, with the government shutdown, uh, FCC is out of business right now. So... If Letterman wants to start fight, farting into the microphone, dropping f bombs, yeah, um, him and Paul Schaefer want to start having cockfights. <laughs> no one can stop them. They the got, FCC is gone. They have to take advantage of this. Oh, you have to. There can't be like retroactive fucking fines. The FCC doesn't exist right now. They're gone. There, there. There's no such thing as the FCC. Gone. Free reign. Now, there's a perfect example, if you're listening to the program, how this gentleman came in with a, a little spy report. Uh, a spy report. Um, spy report. Spy report. And we turned it into an amusing anecdote about Conan O'Brien and no longer funny AIDS jokes. Spy report. Spy report. And I say no longer funny because there's probably only a place around 1983 for six to seven weeks where people could, you know, do an age joke and not everybody would be outraged. It was a magical time. It was. It was the salad days. We thought that it would go on forever. Hopefully some editor with uh, NBC has that nugget out there and just somehow releases it. 
And then gets fired. Fez just came in the room. You just uh, missed the fact that Mr. Tom Clancy passed away, and I brought up uh, the time that I saw Tom Clancy attempt to do an AIDS joke on the Conan O'Brien show. That doesn't seem like a great memory of Tom Clancy. It's the only one I have. I do not read the books. He's also me neither. Also, big video game guy. Like all of his books start, they were turned into movies, then into like the massive well, like military video games. Yeah, they're kind of written like video games, right? And yeah, so it's always like, like there's a a nuke that somebody can't get or something like that. There's a SEAL team going into some country. Um, I'll give you a, a story of somebody who is a hero. We always say that there's not enough good news. Uh, the part of the story that plays big on network TV right now is that a lunatic was running around Riverside Park stabbing people with scissors. The good part of the story, Skinny Hulk ended up uh, <laughs> breaking him down. And this guy shows he's hulking out right there for everyone. By the way, do you think he's doing Cartoon Hulk or a Hulk mania? What you going to do? He's doing what you're going to do. They call oh, I... they call him Skinny Hulk, and you can see him hulking up right there, getting his Skinny Hulk powers together. This guy ripped his shirt off. I think he's doing Green Hulk. Strap. I think he's doing Cartoon Hulk. <laughs> oh, you know, and you're a wrestling fan. Yeah. And you think that's... I think if he was doing Hulkamania Hulk, yeah. he'd be holding his hand to the ear, maybe doing the flex yeah. with the hand pointed up. Well, we're not getting, you know, this is just one picture. If it was a series of pictures, we'd be able to know. But he's definitely, at this point, hulking up. But you think it's comic book Hulk. Uh, no, you think it's wrestling Hulk. And Hicks, you had it as comic book Hulk? I call it his Wrestling Hulk. You're Wrestling Hulk. I'm Comic Book Hulk. Yeah. I think he's... That pose is telling me Hulk smash Park Attacker. <laughs> but it does also, if you remember, Hulk Hogan would Hulk up his powers. I mean, this is obviously before he pulled his t-shirt off. Uh, which he'd have to get through his regular dress shirt before. <laughs> they call him Skinny Hulk. And he is... Um, the the most powerful person out there today. I'm going to ask you to be the tiebreaker. Is it Cartoon Hulk or Comic Book Hulk or Hulkamania Hulk? I like Comic Book Hulk. There they are. Bust out Thank you, Shelby. Shirt. What the fuck? Gays are sticking together. By the way, uh, everyone loved your picture yesterday. The two Graf um, brothers. You guys were both wearing Graf paper. <laughs> Uh, Which one of that? Let's clicked on somewhere. Um, who was the winner? What were we giving away yesterday, Hicks, for the million days of Christmas? Uh, yeah, yesterday for the caption contest, it was uh, the Kevin Hart DVD signed. Oh, signed Kevin Hart. Uh, and it was the picture of Shelby sitting next to Catholic Joe. And I told Shelby, for now on, he'd be picking the winners. Shelby, exactly what was the winning caption? The winner of the signed Kevin Hart, Ziggy Rotten, with Angelina Jolie looks like shit since she got her tits cut off. Oh, <laughs> God. That's, that was supposed to be you? 
It's like I got brought down with the Angelina Jolie, you know, because right. of the lips. But then I get to knock her down a couple pegs, too. How many times did you have to hear blowjob lips in your life? <sighs> More than friendly comments, that's sure. sure. Yeah. I tell them that every morning. <laughs> because so you... Shouldn't. <laughs> because here's the thing, and I'm saying this as straight as possible, Okay. And Hicks, I think you'll back me up here. Yeah. You've never had anything that fantastic wrapped around your cock before. Oh. Those lips are amazing. Gorgeous mouth in that. Yeah. And, and I don't will. think you have to be gay <laughs> to say there's something that would feel fantastic wrapped around a big fat cock. I don't think that's a gay statement at all. Um, here's Adam in Pittsburgh. You're on the Run of Fez show. So I say the curse is over. Despite Pepper picking the Pirates, they still won. Uh, if you're talking about Mr. Fucking Know-It-All, Chris Stanley, uh, yeah, I, he's on the game. I, You bet with me. I'm the guy you listen to, okay? I'm fucking hot at all times. Did you not think, though, that Pittsburgh Bart Bartman hadn't <laughs> fucked up the game? <laughs> I saw that. I was like, no! I literally screamed out, Pittsburgh Bartman. I was so happy. Here's the weird thing about it. You and I the other day said there is nothing more exciting than the one-off games. And both of them have been as dull as shit. Yeah, they're not, they're not close at all. They or... haven't been any tension, no big moves. <laughs> I mean, the game gets set early. Um, you know, Pittsburgh did the job last night. Now, I was texting back and forth with you and Eastside Dave or my baseball pals as I like to call you this time of year and Dave sent me back a simple thing I think you'll like this Fez it just said butt pirates <laughs> <laughs> and it was so immature it had me laughing for 15 minutes it's great good I didn't appreciate it Dave why not hmm Here's um, Wes in Dallas. You're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I uh, am offended by Fez's use of the word uh, Hulkamania, as it is offensive to people who suffer from real manias and other crazy people of all types. I didn't even think of that. That Hulkamania probably is kind of, uh, you know. It's bad. Yeah, that's why I said it wasn't the picture. I went with comic book Hulk. But you don't think that makes fun of people who've been close to radiation? Comic book Hulk? Look at those people in Japan, the Fukushima thing. They're like basically a bunch of little Japanese Hulks. They feel like shit right now. All this time I've been calling it Fukushima. <laughs> God damn it. I wonder all those people at the UN were so pissed at <laughs> Yeah. And I was saying Fukushima, and I was gonna—I was taking my finger and sticking it into an imaginary pussy, like Fukushima. Hot. You Fukushima. All right. So big winners everywhere today. Um, Nick, you're on. Whoops. Nick, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, what's up, Ronnie B? Yeah. Hey, man. I caught uh, Fez's Nazi bit yesterday, man, and that's the first side of. I never heard that side of Fez. I was wondering if he was going to do that uh, in the future again. Uh, when you, uh, when I played you as Hitler. Oh, no, that was because I lost a bet and I was paying that off. That included having a Hitler mustache for two weeks and walking through Times Square as a giant baby Hitler. So it's okay, okay to be racist if you lose a bet. I'm going to need, you lost a bet, you got to dress up <laughs> as Bin Laden and go down to that 
9-11 memorial. I mean, he lost <laughs> oh, the bet. Oh, my God. The bet, oh, too soon. Come on. Too soon. You're in New York City. You, he lost the bet in this you, hypothetical. You perfect lift bastard, you. God, look at that mouth. Mm. Huh? <laughs> Once the it. fuck this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I could make so much fucking money with you. Just, Just use it. Just use that mouth. I, you down like that, and the fucking phones went off. That's you smacked the table, and the phones went off. I'm kind of weirded out right now. I feel like Carrie with telekinesis. This fucking studio is made out of Legos. And also, I need to adjust the light because the the glare. stuff here, yeah, the glare all over this is amazing. Let's just jump up and keep moving like we're doing a show and lead by example. Just go over. We got a, a light thing. Nothing ever really gets around to taking that glare off, though. Yeah, I guess that's better. Um, I will say this, and be totally honest about it. And you you are not gay, right? I mean, I've been thinking about it, but no. As of right now, no. It is the most amazing waste of lips in human history because it's not like women are going to look at those lips and think oh I'd like to have that on my vagina mm -mm. it's like LeBron was like no I'm more of a checkers guy and has never got into basketball at all that's racist <laughs> because he's a black guy and he could do anything that he wants so your racism will not stand I just kind of feel like cutting his lips off and like donating it to some thin lipped woman that made me nervous to even <laughs> say that. What's what? <laughs> the slicing lips off. You know where that leads. And sewing them on to unsuspecting women. Um, Shane, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. I want to just say, man, uh, looking forward to some canned heat today, man. Well, enjoy, or just go to the iPad and listen to the whole day. You'll be done. Absolutely. Sweet. That's it? That's it, man. Fantastic. It was wonderful talking with you. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, here's Jay. Jay, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Um, I got a little bit of an issue with you having an issue with Tom Clancy's AIDS joke, or any AIDS joke that anybody tells. So, there's 313 million people in our country. About 900,000 of those people are living with AIDS. That's two thousandths of a percent that have AIDS. Yet we're going to get upset about an AIDS joke? Well, I don't think that we decide whether a joke is funny. By the way, for television, you know what I mean? Uh, oh, sure. or, or not. By the amount of people affected by the joke itself. It has really to do with the social norm. Now, I wrote what I believe... It was just as I was starting comedy, the most the most fantastic age joke in the world. The fact that it was pulled for the from the headlines will not get the same kind of laughs that it did then. But I'll just ask Fez, Fez, do you remember the first famous person who died from AIDS? Rock Hudson. Yeah. So this is literally as Rock Hudson died in that week. Yeah. Uh, and I just was really starting comedy, and I went on stage, and I said, uh, I know that Rock Hudson was ill. 
I didn't know it was AIDS, but I know something was wrong with him because when he was fucking me in the ass, he threw up on my back. God. Now, I'm not kidding. I had to step back from the microphone and drink a full glass of water <laughs> as people fell on the ground rolling around, pretending they were swimming, you know, going across the floor. They were that, uh, you know, uh, and I think it had to do with, at the time, nervousness of, I wonder if we all have AIDS. Can I get Because that's what people time. used to think. Someone has AIDS in my town, we should go kill them. They're going to spread it, because no one knew, like, how it spread, right? No, no one, one was, knew anything. Yeah. They fucking, you know... And actually, until Magic uh, came out with the HIV, uh, then people were like, you know what? We got to do something about this AIDS. You know what I mean? Before that, you know, Reagan and Clinton just like ignored AIDS like it never happened. But then Magic got it and everyone went, we got we to gotta do something about AIDS. Got to get under control. Yeah. So I never would have been able to do the Magic Johnson joke and get a... Uh, uh, a big laugh off. It wouldn't have happened at all. Uh, Dutch in Connecticut, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddies. Hey. You son of a bitch. Hey, uh, first of all, Stephanie is absolutely lovely as a phone screener, I just want to point out. Uh, we're all a big fan of hers. I don't think you want to use the word big when you talk about her. It's still sensitive. Okay. Um, hey, just wanted to give you your uh, movie update on IFC for the upcoming weekend. It's a Kubrick marathon. Featuring Eyes Wide Shut, Full Metal Jacket, The Shining, and A Clockwork Orange. This is IFC? IFC. I do not watch IFC movies because they put the commercials in the middle. Uh, I, I know, but it allows me to refill my cocktails, especially on a Kubrick marathon. I don't like to have a Kubrick break. They already, they already started. I was watching Full Metal Jacket last night. Did you get to the commercial and then turn it off? Yeah, I never, then didn't go back. Because I normally, I'm like watching... Uh, are people writing this into me? Let's go back to Skinny Hulk and find out about this. They claim that that's, he's wearing the same shirt of yesterday's. <laughs> no, that one had black buttons and black stripes. These are clearly a gray metallic hue. No, it's the same fucking shirt. Do you think it's the same shirt as what he was wearing? This guy shops at H&M just like Joe and Shelby. It's the exact same pattern. What the hell's going on with this shirt that everyone in this fucking city's it's wearing? It's blowing up among the gay community. <laughs> oh, I guess it is. Skinny. Is Shane Skinny Hulk is gay? Oh, I don't think so. I thought it was uh, Carson Daly when I first saw him. <laughs> I said Carson Daly stopped something. So this guy is a, an absolute... Skinny Hulk is a hero. Someone was around just stabbing people, including babies, with scissors. Jesus. Just like a crazy person. No offense, Fez. But an, a crazy person is why, if you find out anyone's in therapy, you should attack them. But it took Skinny Hulk to take him down. One of the guys who apparently had a little girl, like, put himself as a blanket over the little girl and let himself get stabbed. Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a good dad. Hell yeah. And this fucking psychopath is targeting children? Yeah. God damn it. Well, I don't think targeting children, just stabbing everyone who was around, and not having a prejudice against children. Okay. Okay, it's not like he was delivering cocktails and saying, hey, you're not old enough to drink here. Thank God for Skinny Hulk. Um, 
Adam in California, you're on the Ron Fest show. Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. Have you seen the uh, new Oberman show on ESPN? Um, yeah, I have. Apparently, he's got suspenders and eight ex-wives now. Oh, is that Larry King that was filling in? Oh, that's the worst fucking joke I've ever heard. <laughs> I was trying. No, I mean, it's just absolutely terrible. There's no flow to it whatsoever. <laughs> Oh, sound crazy. Oberman's new show. Did you guys hear about the suspenders? Uh, eight ex-wives. Oh, wait, that was Larry King. It's kind of how that joke went over for him. I'm sorry, I was just thinking about my balls on your lips. <laughs> Those perfect lips. Old throat fuck show. I mean, you could put your cock up there like a trophy. <laughs> just let it up there. It would, his lips looks like a place where a king would want to just put his crown at night. You should be hanging out at rest stops just to tease dudes. I don't even think rest stops. I think we could go uptown with that. Oh, yeah? I think we could get some serious money out of his lips. Guys that have never been with dudes before. He'll turn you. <laughs> um, Sean, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, how's it going, Ronnie B? Pepper, what, what? Hey, uh, Ronnie, I was just uh, wondering... Do you think the title to Animal House is offensive? Why would it be offensive to animals? Yeah. Oh, well, not. Like, if you say Animal House, it kind of refers to crazy people. Do you think that's uh, offensive? I think they're having a little go at you and your crazy rant the other day, Fez. Yeah, I don't remember Animal House ever being used for a mental hospital. Um, Nut Hut is the name that they love to use there. Dan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yes, sir, Ron. I wanted to ask Fez how he feels about the fact that ONA did play that bit in order to point out his contradiction. I actually felt good this morning. I, th I talked to my therapist about this, and I ended up getting a win over a bully today. Over Sam Roberts. When did you talk to your therapist? I talked to my therapist uh, this morning after I heard the ONA show. And you and your therapist jumped Sam? No, no, but I, I did what I should have done. I feel good about myself. I stood up to a bully yesterday. I explained everything that I said yesterday. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the way it uh, came off with Sam today basically backing down and I feel good about myself. I feel like I stood up to someone and as a gay man, that's what we should do. Okay. Um, so the bully was Sam. Yes. And you were the victim. Mm-hmm. And in your mind, you just hauled up and punched that bully in the nose. No, I brought up my points. I, I could have just kept quiet like I tend to do because I get nervous and stressed and anxious. But no, I put out my feelings yesterday. And I think they were understood. How do you feel that? Uh, just by going from the reaction this morning and how nobody was backing up Sam by the end of it. Why well, even Sam was left alone. I think that you're missing even the bigger point. Uh, you invited Sam to come down here and discuss it face-to-face. -face. Yeah. Sam not only... Uh, well, he texted you. You're the one who he, said it. Yeah, he texted me. He says, I'll come down there. But after I was done with the buddy guy, I noticed this. I went down to check on Sam. He was gone from the building. And he never leaves here early because he doesn't want to be, you know, mm -hmm. home. 
That's where, sure. the, that's where the pain is. But Sam was gone from here after saying, I will come down. Yeah. So you and your therapist decided that you won? Yeah. Yeah, and it's a very proud day for me. Fez Watley, 1 in 97. <laughs> He's in the win column now. You know what? That's I'm taking it. it. That's it. It's done. Hold it's on. Done. I'm it's voting on. I'm, I'm calling my bookie. I'm getting in on the Jaguars action. Not only this, um, not only do I think the 28 points now is going to work, I think the Jags are going to win outright. Oh, my God. I'm going to see what kind of action I can get there. All right, so let's go back over this before we go on. Okay. You stood up to a bully, mm-hmm. Sam Roberts. Yes. You showed your bravery. Yes. He backed down. Yes. You're a winner. Yes, I am. Okay. Yes. There you have it. And I think this is this is finally, you know, because I've talked about bullying on this show before. Every day? Yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with it. Constantly. So this is me doing what I said needs to be done. It's me. Walking your talk. Ex- that's the phrase I'm looking for. Yes. Yeah. You're walking your talk now. Yep. And now when I talk to young gay people... That, you know, I can <laughs> share my experience with them. So if it ever comes up, if anyone ever says, I have a bully, you're able to say, here's how I dealt with my bully. Yeah, it didn't require any violence or anything. Just standing your ground. I'm working um, with kids now. I'm working with bullies. And I came up with the idea of bring an extra rock because uh-huh. you don't know. Sometimes you might not knock the kid down, or the kid's mom might come out. So have an extra rock with you. Weapons help. It's like an extra bully in your hand. (laughs) They'll take care of it for you. I always tell them to bring two guns to a knife fight. Um, TH, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, I'm thinking uh, with Selby, the incredible Mr. Limpet Lips. Come on. All right, let's not get into that. Shelby was a good sport, gave out the Angelina Jolie uh, thing, and was fine with it. Here's Mike in the Bronx. Mike. Merry Christmas, Ronnie. Merry Christmas to you, too, my friend. It is that time of year, million days of Christmas. That's right. I'm getting in the spirit. Mm. I want to thank Shelby. Uh, Last night, I jacked off to his picture of his lips three times. No homo. Okay. Well, no, obviously he's not gay because just the lips. those lips are amazing. That would be a crime if you didn't. They're right there. <laughs> I don't know how you even lasted as long as you did, <laughs> even during a jack session. <laughs> like, you, you've been taken advantage of before, right? Like, someone just sees you and wants you. <laughs> don't face fuck me. Um, Chris, you're on the Run of Fez show. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I think he's figured it out this morning what the deal is with Fez. It's not necessarily he wants certain words banned. He wants all words banned because he doesn't use any words 99% of the time on the show. So, I mean, if he bans all words, then he won't look so bad. Now, did you type out the transcript from the ONA show to do that joke word for word? You have to admit, it's a pretty damn good joke. And in the time, and some of the older people will remember before radio became talkies. Mm. So, you know, the original radio, you would just listen <laughs> to nothing. White noise. And Fez is somewhat bringing that back. Just but like, don't let that get in your way no. as the bully killer. I had a great conversation with my uh, therapist today. That schoolyard bully, big, thick Sam Roberts, <laughs> uh, picked on him every day, took Fez's lunch money, then Fez balled up a fist... 
punched him in his nose, and Sam left the building. Verbally. I don't condone violence. Unless you have to. And then, once it goes down, you know, you'll go all the fuck away. Pull that fucking piece and just fucking <laughs> shove it in someone's face. Should be celebrated today that just like George Zimmerman, Fez stood his ground. He did. You are the I George Zimmerman. I said Z non-violently. But you are the gay George Zimmerman, which <laughs> is really George Zimmerman. Oh, definitely. The wife left him. Yeah, so he's out. Yeah. Doing whatever he needs to do. Find it, you no know. one, you know, if you're single, no one's going to hold uh, call you gay for that. Yeah. I mean, he's probably trying to pick up. <laughs> yeah, probably was fingering his little ass, and then <laughs> everything went fucking bad there. Exactly. Hit a skittle and thought there was a problem. Um, here's Jay. Jay, you're on the Ronnie Fez show. Hey, million bucks, Ronnie. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just curious. Uh, this started out with Fez uh, bringing up the word crazy, said three times an insane once in a Chevy commercial, and Sam Roberts bringing that up on the uh, ONA show, how did Fez just claim the victory for gay people? Right. I don't know how he turned it around because it had nothing to do with being gay. All right, I'll let, I'll let Fez handle that one. Um, it, it has to do with bullying, and a lot of gay kids get involved with bullying. They're bullied at school. They're bullied sometimes in their families. It's very sad. It's a huge problem for gay people. A lot of them are bullied by their boyfriends. Oh, yeah. But they're bullied because they're gay. <laughs> right. I think they're bullying you because of the, the whole crazy thing. <laughs> right, you admit that he was being bullied. And he stood Thank up you. to his bully, and he drove his bully out of the building. They, they were picking on him for no reason, and he stood up to all those mean bullies. Fez, you ought to start wearing shorts like Teddy Roosevelt and just be like, Bully! <laughs> bully! <laughs> You should run around and try to find bullies. Maybe Sam thinks of him as somebody that's an easy knockoff because Fez is gay. Very gay. Just flaming. Couldn't be gay. You thought the reason why they focused on you was because you were gay. Oh, yeah. I think that was the whole start of it. And that's why you needed to stare Sam down. Mm-hmm. All right. You're a big winner now. Yes, I am. Okay. You did it. You got him. You, you stood up for yourself. I only wish I could have seen my therapist in person today. You're like gay Superman, or as most people refer to him, Superman. Because it's gay. With his beard, Lois Lane. <laughs> and his fucking underwear on the outside of his pants. He hangs out with that fucking redhead twink, Jimmy Olsen. God knows what he does. Uh, I see you and fucking Dave running around doing a lot of shit together. <laughs> Dave ain't no twink. Dave just Aww. sitting at his house. But pirate. <laughs> Perfect. Send. Um, well, here's Will. Will, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, uh, as you're calling, boys. Yeah. Uh, Veggie, I just wanted to just uh, mention something else. I completely support you, no matter how crazy you are. Nice. And I also want to, I also want to point out the fact that uh, I know that shocked over over at ONA, but isn't a classic hack bit the radio war that Sam is trying to fabricate? Total bullshit. Fuck those hacks. Ron and says number one. Well, you know, we did make Jocktober. I thought of it as a fun honor. After all these years. Day one. I don't know whether we're getting a certificate or a small trophy. I'd like to take that 
Oscar that belongs to Gary, but that he hasn't picked up yet. Uh, and from what I've seen, he doesn't even want. Oh, come on. It's an award. But um, you talked to your therapist today, right? Yes, I did. And she told you that you stood up to a bully and won. Yes. What exactly did she say to you? She was said, I'm very proud of you. She said, there's times I know where you would have just, you know, been passive in that. And you made your feelings heard. And uh, this morning, after I heard that it's done. Yeah. She said, yeah, I think it is done. I think you did it. You won. You did what you needed to do. Hmm. And then did she charge you for that? No, no. That was because every every day she talks to you, I feel like is a victory for her. For a bank account. It might have been even more hurried than that. Like she was just coming out of Starbucks trying to hail a cab. Like, yeah, yeah, you, you won, you won, you won, you got it, you got it. You're a hero, buddy. There you go. Um. Here's Austin in Long Island. You're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Shelby just kind of stole my thunder there, but this is such a victory for your therapist. She must have been ready to throw that degree out the window, screaming at the sky at night because she doesn't know what the fuck to do with you. I'm proud of you, Fez. Good for you. Doesn't sound like it, but thank you. She was really happy for me today. She's so happy that she's probably going to put another pull in <laughs> from all the money that she's making off you. Nice extension to the home. Probably has some fucking giant Westchester mansion. <laughs> sure. She calls it Watley Manor. <laughs> Phone calls are part of the treatment. They don't charge extra. I didn't know that. Well, that with this lady. Then let me give her a couple calls till I fucking get my nut off. <laughs> And then what did you tell Fez to do? Did you tell me he was a hero? You called him a fucking hero! Oh. Alright, hang up, bitch. <laughs> Here's uh, Superfan Eric. Hey, Ronnie B, Superfan Eric here. Yeah. How you doing? Ready for Flyers opening night? It is. Hockey season is on. And for Sorry. the next 11 months, it's going to be fantastic for the hockey fans. Can't wait. So look, I, I work at Slack's Hoagies, but I want to know what cheesesteak I should get tonight before the game. What are your options? Well, I guess we got Pat's, so we got Geno's, Neither. Tony Luke's. Neither. Here's what I want you to do. Go over to the Interrobang and check out Philly the right way. You got a lot of good stuff in there. And my lovely friend Kathleen came up with a bunch of them. Also, little Leslie come up with a, a a bunch of them. She's somewhat of what I would call a foodie. Oh, that's nice. I hate that word, don't you? Well, you gotta label everyone who likes things <laughs> for for whatever reason. Yeah, Kevin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, what is? Hey, I just want to tell Fred says I'm very proud of him for breaking through. And uh, next time he feels like he's going to lock up on the air, you know, just to go back to this moment. But I also wanted to know, is SiriusXM going to make him work extra shifts to make up for all the lost time? What lost time? From when he never spoke on the air for the past five years. 
See, they're trying to get back at you yeah, now, Fez, but I've seen a new Fez Watley. Yeah, I feel really good today, and this is another thing that my therapist said. You know, there's going to be people that try to take your legs out from under you when they see you walking today. So try, you know, just ignore their haters. You know, they she don't might. have anything better a, to do with a, their own lives than a, to try to attack other people in theirs. A therapist uses the word haters? <laughs> yes, she did. Oh, my God. You gotta Is this a smart. fucking therapist or someone you met in a chat room? Is this a meme you were just looking at? They're drinking that hater. No, she's very nice. Hey, lady trucker. Hey, Ron. Hey, crazy fag. Wow, where does that come from? I'm not talking to you, Fezzy. I'm talking to that man with them fuckable lips, Shelby. Oh, oh shit! Doesn't matter. Ow! I thought you would like that, Fez, because Shelby's now getting bullied. No, I don't want Shelby to get bullied. Yeah, he's getting especially with that those words. What words? Words hurt. Right. Yes, they do. <laughs> Ouch. I didn't know what this thought we were having. thought I was helping along in there, and then it all went blank. It happened. Um, here's my buddy, Cigars and Scotch. Hey, congrats, Fez, on the big win. And don't even refer to him by name. Just call him Wooly Bully from now on. He's got his own theme song. <laughs> Wooly Sam, Bully? Sam the Sham uh, did that song, and it's uh, Wooly Bully. It's such a great fucking song. Honor is tuned. Here's a Dan, Kentucky. Hey, oh, man, I was digging on Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Yeah, it's great. Hey, Ronnie, I just want to say that's a very nice Christmas sweater you're wearing. Oh, thank and you. You're quite welcome, sir. Very dapper. And now, white grown man says, I beat a bully today. I stood up to a bully. Who does that? This guy. This man right here. No one is used to new confident Fez Watley. No, they're not. No, they they hate it. They despise it. They don't like panicky, locked up Fez. Mm -mm. But they really don't like one in the wind column Fez either. It's like they don't like any Fez. <laughs> That's what it starts to feel like. So your confidence level is through the roof now. Yesterday you were freaked out. Yeah. The day before you were... F no, was it yesterday you were furious? Yeah, yesterday you were furious. I threw up, yeah. Why did you throw up? I was just so stressed out, yeah. Just so tense from it all. And now you feel good. Now I feel much better. What's your secret, Fez? Standing up to a bully? Yeah, that's that's what you do. You, you make your feelings around. you make your feelings known. Well, there's a lot you can do to teach gay children. Yeah. Sucking, fucking Yeah, reaming. Finger cuff I'm not teaching Docking. children any of that. I can now relate my own bullying episode mm. to the kids and let them know that it does get better. 
Yeah, but don't you think some of the kids are used to getting punched in the spine, not have, have someone put them in Jocktober? <laughs> I think most gay kids would be okay if they were part of Jocktober. They're like, you know what? I'm in Jocktober, but other than that, school's great. They might like it. They're yeah. getting some exposure. Yeah, get their word out there. Um... Let's go over here to uh, Doug in L.A. Doug. Hey, Ron. I was just wondering if uh, Fez knows the difference between a therapist being happy for him or laughing at him. I can tell her legitimate joy. Sometimes she does laugh at you then? So you have a comparison? No, she usually... Sometimes I think she tries not to cry along with me. What? She's what? that sensitive? She loses her shit. What are you crying about nice. in there? Oh, just anything well, and everything. What's the last time you cried? Um, I think it was, uh, it was the last time I was in there. Just about screwing everything up. And that made her laugh? No, no. That made her very sympathetic to the feelings I was feeling. And now you don't screw things up. Now you're a hero who beats up bullies. Yeah, you push them around, make them feel like shit about themselves. Yeah. Stomping Sam's head in. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Sam up. Just destroyed his shit. Stepped I think he me. felt bad by the end of that segment today on ONA. Uh-oh. Seems like Sam killed himself. Jesus. Oh, Somebody bullied him and made God. him feel bad about himself in front of his peers. Oh, no. Oh. This is a sad day. Wooly bully! Uh, let's go to somebody we all like, Dickie Jr. What's up, Dabsy? Hey, Dabsy. Hey, Fez, you finally stood up to a bully. You got some confidence now. You gonna take a dick in the ass? <laughs> <laughs> that may be a next step. Dickie Jr., you never know. Sam's? Yeah, that'd be great. You bully him and then you force yourself on him? <laughs> it's called rape. <laughs> Connor, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, how's it going, boys? Good, man. I uh, just, uh... Congratulations on uh, putting one in the column there, Fezzy. But uh, are you going to take the next step and confront the the main bully, Opie? Um, I heard Opie today say this is done. Oh, that's nice. So I, as far as I'm concerned, it's finished. That was never my problem. Oh, well, you're the big winner, Fez. You should pour gasoline all over where uh, Sam sits. Just the you know push you know just let him know when he comes in tomorrow morning that no that's <laughs> dangerous. How about pig's blood? Okay, not flammable. I don't get a good point across. Just come on it. <laughs> no bodily fluids out of humans. Um, I think uh, that you know Fez. I think your victory lap is done. You should put this away now. I agree. Start, you know, in the future. It's a whole new future for you and Sam. Who knows? Maybe you end up being, maybe you end up being friends. Maybe you out. two can bully other people. <laughs> you know, bully some of the people over at. Uh, well, I know you could all do is uh, Jennifer, whatever. Oh yeah, just bully, bully her. <laughs> just push her around when you see her in the hallway. <laughs> Get some cash out of her. Me and uh, Hicks saw her walk by today with two rockers. Yeah, I don't know what she was up to. Two tied up dudes. <laughs> Look a little grizzled. It looked like she just came from being fucking double done. 
Nafez, why are you laughing at the bully talk that we're doing? Wouldn't that be hurtful? Yes, it was more of a cough than a no, laugh. No, you were laughing before yeah, the cough. You had a good you've, time. You've got fucking Hicks's calf thing going now, where both of you start to laugh and you cough. Mm-hmm. He but never makes a full, through a full uh, laugh. No, it's, you know, I smoke constantly. Um, I'm going to go through some of this stuff that's up uh, today, but... I do like uh, this story. Eight-year-old in Florida was suspended for using their finger as a gun in school. Jesus. And the state law in Florida is obviously uh, you can shoot someone, but you cannot pretend to shoot someone. So make up your mind. That's where the weird trouble (laughs) lands you. Fucking ridiculous. It is ridiculous that a kid can't play guns with his finger. It's disgusting, actually, where it's just like just fucking behavior control. I it, think it's, it's disgusting. I said, do it at home. Don't do it at school. There, people are on edge about school shootings, and we should be. Don't do anything to bring that up. That's the rules. I think that we should. We'll wait until an eight-year-old runs into a building and shoots up a bunch of adults before we start to focus on them. You know what I mean? If anything, maybe that kid needs that fucking release during the day. People don't realize that one of the worst things you can do is just like suppression of urges. That's where I think real violence comes from. And it comes out in other fucking crazy ways. Right. It it, it fucks you up fucking much worse than actually letting things out. Uh, Than the act of actually play acting and having some fun with it. It's it's fucking insane. This this school district they should just shut it down for this. Not well, maybe they arrested that other kid for using the chicken wing as a as a gun. <laughs> Much tastier. We never brought wings to school when I was a kid. It's no, that's how the hot sauce of wings. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fucking school or bar. <laughs> we also have a mini keg. Just you know, I do your kids. You're, you're gonna get drunker quicker. <laughs> so we didn't we didn't go for the full one. It's a light. <laughs> By the way. You didn't correct the bully over there. Hicks yelled that it was insane. It's not a good word to use. I'm insane in a membrane. So I would like to change the world, but apparently I'm not going to. You, that I like the idea of you trying to get rid of all wor- words. <laughs> so we just grunt like fucking cavemen. Uh, uh. No, then certain other grunts won't be allowed. <laughs> that grunt came across as scary. <laughs> I wonder if you can put chocolate milk in the mini keg for kids, just so they get used to it before they start drinking. Yeah, they, well, they gotta drink it fast enough. You know. Well, it'll probably be carbonated if it's in the keg. Our teacher used to say, "Look, we're having a party, birthday party. It's Timmy's birthday, but remember, you're kids, so it's just near beer." <laughs> Love that. This song is actually crazy, by the way. Yeah. It's fucking. It's talking gibberish in this thing. <laughs> you know they were going to have a lot of hits. <laughs> hey, Shelby, did you watch the SNL the other night? Yeah. Did you watch the Arcade Fire special after it? I saw the beginning, like right when they. Walk past Franco and just started getting crazy in that club. It's actually really fucking good. Yeah. 
They did like three great songs. There was like these really stupid fucking comedy bits. Galifianakis and um, I can never think of the other kid. He did our show before. Michael Sarah. Yeah, Michael Sarah. Now remember, Higgs, that Michael Sarah was in with us and we were talking about uh, DMT and all. Yeah. He said he was learning Spanish. Motherfucker was speaking like flawless Spanish. Yeah, well, I think he's like he's friends with the director. Uh, yeah, came, but came in I'm friends with Spanish people. I don't pick <laughs> shit up. <laughs> I well, the last Arcade Fire album was fucking fantastic. The Suburbs. This Arcade uh, Fire album, and I've only heard the songs I heard the other night. They were like fucking Roxy music. They fucking are acting like and sounding like Roxy music. I love them, and they got so much hate uh, after when their second album came out. Why? I because it sounded different from uh, the first, the funeral, and you know the funeral had that huge, the huge hit with the fucking revolution, and it's because it was different. People were like, "This, it's not the same. I don't want to listen to it." But then they came back with the suburbs, and people started loving them again. And that dance party afterwards, with Saturday, after Saturday Night Live, was fucking great. Are you watch the whole thing? Yeah. They're a great I was band. Saying it, they're a great band. But more bands should do this. Give them a half an hour after Saturday Night Live. Roman Coppola is the one who directed this. There has to be more music on, on TV. All right, play some of this right here. That's one down. Three million to go. Hey everyone, this is Grandmaster Mike. Thank you for watching Night on the Rim. Oh, that was the end of it. About the relative value Chevy of our doesn't major know. Minor Chevy, Chevy doesn't know how to fucking queue up anything. He was right when he was about to. It's the end of the fucking video, well, Shelby. Where else does he come in at? What are you just going for? Him? We're talking about the music. The song. They're playing. They're playing. Femme. We're talking about you fucking yeah. femme. What are you doing? We move past it's that. It's Arcade Fire. Here we go. They're a great fucking man, though, dude. Yeah, they're cool. I want to do the new music show again soon. I'm in touch with Carter. I know what I'm going to be doing. Arcade Fire is my new music. <laughs> I'm also into uh, the uh, new um, Sean Nelson album. I've listened to it. You wouldn't listen to it. You're not on the fucking cutting edge like me, all the Arcade Fire guys. I'm, I'm getting older, so I'm, I'm losing the step in the music. It does game. happen. You like what I said when you're getting your age, I start saying... You're losing a Steppenwolf. Oh, shit. I love Magic Carpet Ride. Who fucking doesn't, dude? Uh, later on, we're going to be getting into the Car of the Future. Uh, oh, and you said Banksy is doing something in New York City? Yeah, Banksy's in New York. He's putting up pieces around New York. His website now just redirects you to BanksyNY.com. And he's doing a right. He's saying it's a residency in New York on the streets of New York City. Well, I know one of them has popped up, right? Yeah, one of them down in Chinatown. It had already got painted over. Well, let's fucking let me know immediately. 
so I can run out and fucking try to cut it off a wall and make some money off it later. Oh, hell yeah. And uh, and there's a phone number on his website that you call it, and then you put in a, a number. There'll be a number next to all of his pieces, and then it'll be like an audio guide for through your cell phone. And, he'll talk, and there's a fucking voice talking about his, his fucking street art. It's fucking, it's a great idea. The guy's brilliant. You love Banksy. Yeah, I do. So it's BanksyNY.com, and that's where um, all of them will start popping up. Um, Houston, Rob, you're on the Run and Fetish show. Robbie, can you hear us? And he's dead. Oh, my God. Castro wanted to talk about something. Oh, young Castro. Sending the Castro. Where's her music? Right here. Takes her a while to get over. Castro's all dressed in black today, like she's uh, later going to go over to 42nd Street and try out for a new play. <laughs> she's like a member of the chorus. <laughs> Castro, how are you doing? Good. There's something that you wanted to talk to us about. Yes. I wanted to talk about identity, and I wanted to ask you guys how you Stop identify it, yourself. Stop it, Shelby. Stop it. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, and I wanted to ask you how you identify yourself. Ron? As Ron. What yeah. about, do you identify yourself as an American or what your ancestors are? Yes, I am are? an American. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I identify myself as having an Irish background. As an Irish background. And Catholic background. Irish Catholic. That's specific to it because I do not uh, count my background with the Protestant uh, Irish people. My grandmother on my father's side was uh, Protestant Irish. And on St. Patrick's Day, she would wear orange. And if it ever rained on St. Patrick's Day, she used to say Sheely was pissing on us. On us little harps. She wasn't crazy about the fact that we were Catholics. That's hardcore. Yeah, she was. She loved to start a fight. She'd fucking throw down. She was a proddy with a point of view, and I had to respect her for it. So what are you saying? Well, I'm saying... Does that make me a bad person? No, it doesn't make you a bad person at all. I just want... Cause I also I, identify with the city of Philadelphia and the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, what I'm trying to say is that when we have... In this country, we're forced, especially if you're a minority, you're forced to identify yourself with your roots. Like, if you're brown, why are you brown? So I have... When people ask me, what are you? I'm like, I'm fucking American. I was born in Flushing, Queens. Like, I'm an American. But then they're like, no, what, what are you really? And I'm like, oh, my mom's from Colombia. My dad's from Chile. And I feel like... That. Uh, here, here's one of the things I think why people do that to yeah. you, because you have an exotic look, and they're trying to figure out, because you, you can't look at you and think, oh, I know that she's from this country. But in a country that is based off of being a melting pot. Melting pot might be the wrong word what, to what use. What is the stereotypical American then? Like when we identify an American, what is it then? Are we assuming that it's a white person? Yes, a white Irish Catholic from Delaware County, Pennsylvania, would be the optimum type of thing. But I see what you're saying. Some people, white people down south say, or even in the Midwest, oh, I'm just American. Yeah. They don't 
they don't identify with a... When there are really no Americans, if we truly, like, trace our backgrounds, the people that came and colonized here, you know, they were from England, and then, a, you know, a big boats with filled with immigrants came and filled this country. Like, nobody's a real American besides, like, the Native Americans. Like, they were but, here and first. And oddly, they're not real Americans. They're not considered American either. Yeah. They're kind of almost an occupied thing. Absolutely. So you're saying uh, the thing that we have there is bad. The fact that we have our roots. Not so much, like, the fact that we have our roots. I feel that it's bad in the sense that we... It cripples our patriotism. How can I identify as an American with my when my fellow Americans don't consider me a full American? I didn't know that you weren't considered a full American. I'm not considered... Like, people ask me immediately and try to dissect what I am, and then they... You know, they describe me by that. I'm a Hispanic. I'm a Hispanic American. I'm a Latin American. I'm not American by what the st stereotypical, you know, what we identify an American as. And then yeah, it, but that's because you're not. You, you even realize that most of those people have uh, some something from the English Isle roots, and that's their roots. And most people will think of that's where their family's from. When you when you trace your family and you're doing that stuff, you're always white people are interested in where we came from. You know, we we don't just leave it as we're American. Yeah, you don't th you didn't know I that like about it, us in the South. It's probably not as identified. Like, oh, uh, my great 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 ancestors are they were from Ireland. At where they came on the boats and colonized the Americas and moved out west or down south or something like that. You know, I, I actually I would if people from the south or even Midwest want to, you know, make a point. Eight six six run zero fez. Eight six six run zero fez. I think that a lot of Southerners uh, try to back their heritage to that Confederacy. Yeah. So when you're down south. Uh, a lot of people will go out of their way to say our family's been in this state for a long time. Or when I was in Key West, you are only a conk if you were born on Key West. But if you've lived there for X amount of years, they will call you a freshwater conk. After a while, they'll go, okay, you do belong here. You are part of our community. But you will never be the same as the people born in Key West. But you, do you think it's odd that people have a certain ethnic pride? Do you think that keeps them away from being real Americans? I think it can cripple patriotism in the sense that... Do you feel patriotic? Do you feel like an American? I do feel like an American, but then I don't at times because I'm constantly forced to identify myself as something other than American, as in my Hispanic culture. But then if I go to my parents' countries, I'm, complete, I'm not accepted by them. I'm no. the American. No, and Irish people find that out when they go back to Ireland. They, exactly. get, they laugh they're, in their face. They're the Americans. Uh, Mooch always laughs at people who says, I'm Irish. Yeah. He's like, no, you're not. He's fucking disdainful. I'm, I'm Irish. <laughs> uh, but could you imagine how you would feel if somebody came to you and said, uh, I'm from Queens, my grandparents were born there? You'd be like... Yeah, or it, it happens with actually with New Yorkers. If a guy's from upstate New York and he says he's from New York, I'm like, no, you're not from New York. You're from upstate, yeah. Um, yeah, that happens all the time too. Here's um, here's Kevin. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. I just wanted to call and let you know. You know, I'm from Cleveland, which I guess is technically the Midwest, um, and I consider myself Irish American. You know, when people say what what are you, I say Irish, not 
American first. I mean, obviously, I am American, but... But I think if you were captured during the war, you would not say I'm Irish, you'd say I'm American. Or if you were overseas and your passport was stolen, you would say I'm an American. If anyone fucks with you about your rights, you will immediately say I'm an American. You don't go into your background thing. But then that could also fuck with you when you're abroad, because they're not too kind with Americans. Mm. So when you're... So here's an interesting thing. So you feel like people from America don't necessarily consider you America, but when you go abroad, you're nothing but American. Nothing but American. My dad has, uh, like, this, like, angst with Americans. My dad was in France, and he was asking a cop, you know, in English, where, where is this? How do I get here? The cop completely ignored him because he knew he was an American. Right. Then my dad started talking Spanish, and he's like, oh, you're from Chile. Like, okay, and, you know, now it's over here and over there. Right. So it's just, like, saying that you're an American can fuck you over. Like, these people have such angst against us as a country. And well, a lot of Americans tell people they're Canadians when they're traveling. Yeah. Um, here's uh, Nick. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, I wanted to just share the point that you identify more strongly with where you're from mm -hmm. when you're not there. I live in California, and I'm from Wisconsin. And when I was living in Wisconsin, I never really paid attention to the fact that I was living in Wisconsin. I was just there drinking beer, eating broth. Right. But now I identify with that, and people ask me about it all the time. Did you guys actually wear cheese on your head? Um, and I think that's what you're experiencing when you go to Chile, is that you're Chile. there, so they're Please identifying right. you with somewhere else. And I, I, there's something in that. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. Well, you know what's really kind of interesting? There wasn't, uh, like, a lot of Pittsburgh pride when I was a kid, but then when people had to move out of Pittsburgh, now they fucking throw that thing out all the time. No one, when I was younger, used to yell, I'm from Pittsburgh. But when all those people were forced to move after the steel mills closed, yeah. now they bring up Pittsburgh all the time, wherever they happen to live around the country. Surprise people. Yeah, because they miss it. You know what I mean? They miss the things that were unique to that area but see that's the thing that we have in this country is that all of our backgrounds are somewhat unique and then hopefully together we build something more than if we were just one ethnic group yeah you know what i mean like if you just look at the fact that polish people tend to be from poland that's their background they're not going to get the same amount of new ideas that we got. And particularly since a lot of people that came to America from around the world, whether they came with something or with nothing, came here because they were somewhat um, ambitious and wanted to make their way. Um, your dad came up with a whole new way of carjacking, which hadn't <laughs> been done before. It's great. Wow. Yeah. Car radio out real quick. So that's fantastic. But so you see the ethnic background thing as a negative. Yes. You're worried about your brown skin? I'm worried about my patriotism. Mm-hmm. In the sense that I don't feel as patriotic as other Americans. You Let, hate America. No, I don't hate America. Let's despise us. perfect example, my boyfriend. He's white. American. Real white? Real white. Okay. Snow white. Blonde hair, blue eyes, like white. Mm-hmm. He's Irish, you know, his grandparents are from Ireland, he identifies as Irish-American, but he has his American pride and he, you know, he loves this country and everything. But he's never been forced to just fully identify or just 
be that Irish person. He's just an American. Like, right. He doesn't I, get singled out. You feel like is, you get singled out. I feel like I get singled out. And then the whole fact, like, he experienced it, too, when he went to Ireland this past year. Because he went and he was just like, oh, my grandpa's from here. Like, you know, he was born and raised here. And then he came to America. He's like, no, you're fucking American. Right. You know, and that, like, crushed his spirit a little bit, thinking that, like, oh. All right, but what for you, of like, if you went to a party with a bunch of white people, you would feel different? No. Okay. Because I don't really see race right now, but if race was to be brought up, if somebody came up to me and asked me, like, oh, where are you from? Like, Long Island. No, 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 Seriously. but where, where Seriously, are you from? where are you from? Port Washington. Like, what are you trying to ask me? Like, You know what they're asking. That's why are you brown? Asking why is there a brown person here? They're worried that you're a Dominican. Yeah. That's the fucking... Yeah. Believe me when I tell you, you tell them Chile and they're going to calm down a little bit. Well, first they're going to be like, what's Chile? Where the fuck is Chile? That's true. Do you think your patriotism gets questioned? Because you seem very concerned about it. Like, you have to prove that yeah. you're loyal to America? Because I'm told that I'm something other than American. You know, that the guy from Wisconsin made a huge point. Like, you connect to what's home. Home is Long Island to me. I but people to... are telling me that, no, my roots and my origins are lying in America. When You're I, from Chile. When I briefly know that country and those cultures, and when I go there, I'm just... But that's your bloodline. That's yeah, your roots. But aren't... Yeah, okay. yeah, but I'm an American. No, I understand and that. If that's, I go that's there, the beauty about, I stick out. But that's the beauty about being an American is that we can bring a lot of different things. American just doesn't mean one thing. That's the beauty of yeah. it. That's a good thing. Uh, it's, I'm going to take you to all the different ethnic parades in the city. And you're going <laughs> to learn to enjoy the foods of each one. Uh, here's uh, Gabriella. Hey. Yeah. My husband is Southern. His family is from North Carolina. They've been here since before the Revolution. And when I first met him, I'm a second-generation Italian. And I said, where's your family from? And he's like, North Carolina. I'm like, no, before that. And he's like, North Carolina. I go, I'm Italian. What are you? And he's like, I'm American. And he could not understand yeah. being anything other than American. His family's fought in every war since the revolution. I, it's weird to me. I don't get it. At but, one side, one time they fought on the wrong side of the war. His, his uncle, one, a great, great uncle fought on one side, his other one, and he had to leave in disgrace and go back to England. So All right, so he's English. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so now he knows what he is. He's fucking, he's got an English background. And then at most of, um, when you run into regular white people, uh, if you're not in Wisconsin or Minnesota, they tend to be English and, and Irish. There are um, a lot of Swedes came into Wisconsin and Minnesota, and then a lot of those same Swedes went out to California. California is a whole different kind of white person than an East Coast white person. Yeah. I personally find them to be cut off from emotions. Really? Yes. They're flakes. They're kind of they come off as flaky too. What do you mean by flaky? Like they don't care. Like uh, like it's just like, like nothing there was matters. a murder. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like okay, whatever. Like yeah. they're just into themselves. They don't get upset, well, and yet the they also don't feel compassion. Isn't that the culture though? Yeah, but I think it also has to, it has do, to do with, with blood. family bloodline as much as everything else. So the Swedes don't give a oh, shit. They don't fucking care. They're cold people. <laughs> they're always they're terrible. Fucking Where you know the Ir the English people are are kind of. Uh, cold people, but the Scots and the Irish are very fiery people. Most of the people 
that they say the big, uh, and I read this long piece on this, that the feuds in West Virginia, those feuds that have gone on forever, is because a lot of Scots-Irish people moved there, and they can't drop a fucking insult. <laughs> and they will keep it going for generations. And that's very much like the Hill people in Scotland or any drunk in Ireland. Yeah. They just don't teach the family. Listen, these people are assholes, right? Anyone fucks with you, you have to. Someone fucked with your great-grandfather, we have to get even. We look like shit right now. <laughs> um, here is... Um, here's uh, Moto. You're on the Run Fest show. Hey, guys. Um, my grandparents were off the boat. So it... Um, it's something that's, you know, very recent in my history. So when I ask this question, like, oh, where are you from? I'm not doing it to be mean. I'm not trying to, I already assume that they are American, but I'm just interested in their roots and kind of their family came from. And but it's, it's almost like you're saying to, if you said that to Castro, she'd feel like less than a human. Because I feel, especially in this day and age, like, what's the rush of immigrants? Hispanics. Right. Mexicans. Like... Immediately they assume, oh, she's brown, she's Mexican. And then when they ask me, it's like it's offensive in the sense like, oh, were you born here? Like, I have to defend that, that I was born here. Here's the weird thing, though, because um, you get into being brown, right? Most people I would know would lay out all summer to have skin like yours looks exactly right now. You should just say, I'm well tanned. <laughs> Look at this. I'm I'm Irish and English. <laughs> Zombie white. But I have my own tanning bed. <laughs> yeah. You're proud of being you're, that the fact that where your people are from, right? You yeah. have pride in that? Yeah. Well, I think that's what it's about. I pride that, but then I also want to have pride in this country, too, but I don't feel accepted in this country. Especially wow. because... Holy shit. No, because of this... You know, there's like, oh, these fucking Mexicans, get them out of here. And all Hispanic people are associated as Mexicans. You know, we're all, right. we all came over the river, we're all wetbacks or whatever. We're all invaders. But that's what this country was made of. And these people are having tough economic times or just like, you so know. So your biggest problem is you don't want to be compared to a Mexican. Not that I don't want to be, I don't want the Hispanic name or this, you know, this color of skin or something like that. Like, people shouldn't be discriminated upon because of the color of their skin or their situation. Like, this country is made for refugees. This country was made for people to come. Like, why are we saying now, like, no, let's close the doors, let's keep the people that are here right now, let's just reproduce amongst each other and cut what the purpose of this country was originally. So, if it were up to you... There would be no borders. Anybody who wants to come in could come in. I feel like there should be a system, a better system now, mm -hmm. instead of like forcing people to w like. You so know. there is a thing that you're saying you would stop some people. Not some people. I would make it more organized because it does affect our economy. It yeah. does affect our economy that people are working here and aren't paying taxes. If you want to be an American, you have to pay taxes in order for you to get the benefits of taxes. Mm hmm. You know, so it's just like there has to be a system where people go and apply for residency and everything. But, you know, you know, more people should be allowed to come to this country. You know, but here's the thing. In your lifetime, Hispanics are going to take over and then you can That's treat. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And then you can <laughs> turn around and treat somebody like Shelby yeah. as if he's just a goddamn whitey. Where are your people from, Shelby? I think uh, my great grandmother was from England. Makes sense. And probably some Polish thrown in there. Oh, probably a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just how quick you went to Queens. Let me know.
What's, wait, what's wrong with Queens? You know there's a lot of Polish people in Queens. Uh, <laughs> uh, what is that one uh, part of uh, Greenpoint? Greenpoint, yeah. You ever been to Greenpoint? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's right over it's the... It's like uh, you're in fucking Christian. Warsaw. I mean, it's, <laughs> the fucking signs are in so, Polish. Yeah. You're like, what the hell? And there's only like a few blocks, but you're like... Every and you know what's really funny? Those Polish people ignore you. Mm-hmm. They have nothing. You, they don't even see you. It's you're in another place. It's fucking nuts. Um, Howard, you're on the Run and Fed show. Yeah, I just want to ask: Is this woman related to Fez? In what way? She wants everything perfect. It ain't perfect. It's not a perfect word. Why? Why would she be so upset with what everybody else thinks? Howard's got a point there. What bothers you about what other people think? Because it's shoved in my face every day. Who's harassing you, Howard? Who's Howard's telling- already off. Oh, he's the, gone. But you were saying white people uh, or European white people do why, not understand. Why is it accepted, though? I, like We had discussion about history, but we do have the history now that we can reflect upon. And we've seen what discriminating people based on the color of their skin and culture and where they're from, what it does. Right. How are we not progressed from that? Well, legally, you are protected. You know I mean, legally, you have the same rights as Fez and Shelby. It doesn't mean that they are going to necessarily treat you the way they treat each other. But then again, we also get treated differently, too. Like, if we're going, if me and Fez are going in to become cops, have the same scores, I'm going to get picked. Yeah. Because not only am I girl, but I'm brown. But if we were both two men, it's because I'm brown. But also because we need more brown cops because we have so many white cops. And we need brown cops to relate to brown kids. Yeah. But then just like in other careers too, like every single job that I apply to, they ask me like... You know, I have the right to not answer, but I have to and respond my gender time. and, and yeah, I have to associate. Should. What am I? Hispanic or Latino? But I'm, but I'm an American. I don't know. What's the difference between Hispanic and Latino? Do they say that there's a difference? Hispanic is rooted from Spain. You're from Spain. And they call all of us Hispanic. I'm not Hispanic. You, by the way, you know who doesn't feel like you're from Spain? Spanish people. Yeah, no, the Spanish fucking hate everybody. Sp- and they hate that, too. Yeah, they go out of their way to say... Uh, no, there's no such word as Hispanic. Absolutely. And Spanish people actually said to me about South Americans. Oh, yeah. They said they're fucking Indians. Absolutely. They go, they should fucking put feathers in their hair and fucking crunk, uh, like climb around on some fucking plateaued out pyramids down there. Because <laughs> they're Indians. You know who else goes out of their way to act like... Argentinians? They're... Yes. Fucking bastards. Yes, they do. <laughs> Every time somebody from Argentina will say to me, oh, by the way, Argentina should be in Europe. That's We're like a European country. Oh, absolutely. Argent- and then Brazilians, Chile Indians. And Chile pushes that, too. They're not as hardcore as Argentinians, but they have to deal with Argentina's bullshit. And yeah. they're pulling, you know, because they're all blonde hair and blue-eyed motherfuckers, and then the rest of us are brown. Should be in Europe, then. Yeah. The border's too long is the problem. Well, no, it's because a lot of Europeans go down there, like, as refugees. Like, Nazis went down there. Like, I have, like, ginger cousins. I don't think so. I have ginger cousins. Do you have any black in your family? No black. Mm. Keeping it pure. Uh, John, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hello? Yeah. I was going to tell you the difference. People, they say Irish and Scotch, but the Scotch-Irish is a different uh, heritage of people. They they weren't wanted by the Scotch or the Irish, and the English gave them a little spot of land 
and they came in North uh, North America through Pennsylvania. That's where you get your Scotch Irish. They're not actually uh, Scotch and Irish. They're a breed of people called Scotch Irish. Right, I, I've heard that there. term my whole life. So where did they live in Europe? They England gave them a, a patch of land, but they, they took land from Scotland and Ireland, and they were a, like a refugees from um, the, the from Scotland and Ireland. It was it was a, some type of uh, feud or something, and and these these particular people weren't accepted by the Scottish, and they weren't accepted by the Irish. And the England gave them a spot of land, but they migrated over here through Pennsylvania through West Virginia and Virginia. But a lot of, you'll see a lot of them, and a lot of them are Presbyterian. Most of them are Presbyterian. And the, these are the people I turned out, these were the people who have, like, the Hatfields and McCoy blood, right? Yep. Okay. They, a lot of those people out there was called Scotch-Irish. Yeah, I had read about it. It's a fascinating thing, and they, they brought some of the blood feuds from the old country yeah, to their... And right. and that's and yep. it would be very. That's why you know years ago, they would not kind of identify. You know, there was the guys who were like revenors, and they were just fucking open fire. Just light up. They just yeah, they just felt like really a hundred percent libertarian about you know this is our land, get the fuck off, and they no one could ever deal with them. You know, because <laughs> they just had their own scene. Down. So they ended up being left alone. Um, you know, until you could capture some of them. <laughs> You know, who wants to climb up in those hills about him? Um, um, here's uh, Larry. Larry, you're on the Run of Fez show. Ronnie B., how you doing today, sir? Yeah. Hey, I, I, may I ask a question then make a comment, if, if you don't mind? Good. Um, first of all, I'd like to ask the young lady, under her theory that everyone should be allowed to come here as long as they pay taxes, does that include terrorists? I mean, as long as they want to pay, pay taxes? Obviously, we don't want terrorists in this country. Okay, so you do want to limit it. You just want to limit it your but way is what you're that's, saying, right? No, that's completely moronic. Come on. But Why would we want to? Nobody well, wants terrorists in this country. But People, we, we have even natural-born terrorists in this country. We always have. I think you're being way too sensitive. Look, I'm Irish. Rod makes jokes about Irish as being drunks. It's okay. I think people are asking you your heritage just because they're curious. They're not. They're not saying, "Oh, you're not American." I think you're just way too sensitive to the question. Uh, there's nothing wrong with someone asking you your heritage. I think they're just curious, and I think you're just making more of a, a big deal out of it because you're sensitive to it. But I don't think they mean it that way. I think you're just taking it that way. No, it's not That's a matter of being sensitive. It's a matter of patriotism. It's a matter of whether or not I can identify as an American when people in this country don't identify me as American. It's not a matter of being sensitive or not. And also, when it comes to today, you know, who are the, the majority of immigrants? They are the brown community. There are people from Mexico and from South American countries and everything. So we're the race right now that's being discriminated upon. So you really you have nothing to back up when you're white and your people haven't been discriminated on since they came in the potato famine. You really don't know what that feels like. But here's the thing. It's not like all Hispanic people get along with each other. No. You have borders in South America. And then we, we divide amongst ourselves when it comes to the actual tone of skin color. That's where the Spanish find, you know, their hierarchy and the Argentinians as well, because they don't have African influence. If you go to the coast of South America, that's where you get, you know, black people and then the darker native people who have those native roots. I'm considered white mm -hmm. in South America. 
Here I'm considered brown. It's just confusing when you compare both cultures. But here's the sad thing. No matter what scale we're using, black is always at the bottom. (laughs) The bottom of every scale, including when black people start to separate themselves. That boardwalk empire thing where the Haitians and and, uh, people um, would be like, well, we're above... You know, the African-American people, because we didn't come here as slaves. Yeah. Um, well, some, and it, go ahead. No, it's never, sorry. But the Haitians... No, I want to hear it. Some people are saying that you had the Hispanic thing. You said they were from uh, Spain. Like, that's what it was... Cletus from Brooklyn says, uh, this cunt is wrong. The term Hispanic comes from the original land settled, which is Hispaniola Island. Dominican Republic and Haiti, so the term Hispanic really means you can trace your roots to that island. To the Dominican Republic. So aren't those Dominicans? <laughs> yeah, I think... I, Hispanic yeah, I, are I, considered I, Hispanic peoples. Latin America is considered anything that it can come from a Latin country, as in the French, the Spain, you know, the countries that came and took over. So... Haiti is actually considered a Latin American country because it was colonized by the French. Um, here's, um, let's go to Annette in New York. Annette, you're on Runifest. Hi, how are you? Good. I just wanted to make a point. I came here almost 20 years ago from Northern Ireland. And when I came, I came on vacation. I met the man that I've now been married to, who happens to be a retired NYPD detective, who is also of Irish descent. And, you know, this lady that you have on said more people should be allowed to come to this country. I'm not against that. But the reason it took me the guts of 10 years to get my green card, and I came in here fully legally, is because of the illegal immigrants. If they're going to come in and come in the right way, everybody in the entire universe knows if you're going to emigrate to a country, there are rules and there are regulations. And it really infuriates me that these people come into this country, of which I, I called it, and I call this my home. Um, as soon as I got my green card, I became an American citizen. And they come in here, and all of a sudden it's, oh, my God, I can't go home. Oh, damn this country. Oh, this. But they're all very willing to take the job. Nobody wants to pay their taxes. And this is the reason it just infuriates me, because I tried to do things the right way, and it took me 10 years. I missed the death of my mother, the burial of my mother, the death of my brother, the burial of my brother, because I adhered to the rules. And if people are going to come into this country, they have to know this. I have no sympathy for anybody that's here illegally. Absolutely none whatsoever. They can cry into the beers all they want. They're just idiots. Absolute idiots. And as for, you know, this lady says that she's discriminated against because of the color of her skin, I've been discriminated against simply because I'm a Northern Irish Catholic. Absolutely. So that's, she really needs to, you know, reevaluate that statement. And when I look at people who are brown, I don't know, or neither do I care, if they're Hispanic, if they're Latino, if they're Puerto Rican, if they're Colombian. And my husband yells at me all the time. He said, you should know the difference. You know, no offense to anybody. They all look the same to me. Asian people all look the same to me. Black people all look the same to me. I don't look at anybody and wonder, oh, I wonder if they're Spanish and discriminate against them. Let me do that because of their color. She just really needs to reevaluate some of her statements. She did. Uh, Annette, <laughs> uh, Annette, thank you so much for calling. Um, 
Oh, she's fantastic. No, and I, I completely respect, you know, what she said, because, you know, the situation in Northern Ireland, I imagine when she came and she immigrated here was absolutely awful. And she, you know, with the IPA and everything, like, you know, in situations like that, the door should be open for people to come and immigrate to this country. White people. Everybody. But I'm saying it's nice when we get white people to when come When we in. get some white people to come in. Yeah, I would have I stamped her as soon as I... But the struggle, in, the struggle that she went through... The troubles. That's the trouble that she went through and troubles. everything <laughs> is something that, you know, which is why we should fix the way immigration happens in this country. You know, people should be allowed to come in, but through a system. That way you don't have to wait 10 years to come in here and become a legal citizen and miss the death of family members. My mother missed the death of her sister for the same reason. Uh, here's uh, Don in Texas. You're on the Run Fez show. Yeah, can I talk to uh, racist Fez there? Uh, her uh, name is Castro. Did you just sit there and equate all white people to the potato? Not everybody that came over here that's white came over because of the potato famine. That'd be just like calling everybody that's brown skin beaners or wetbacks. Oh, that's too funny. Are you serious? <laughs> uh, Don, do you know what brought your people to this country? Oh, he's gone. And that was just, that was just one example. Do you want me to go through every single country that has people of fair skin? Because that's all of Europe. Should we just say Europeans? But then again, there's people of white skin from the Middle East and from, a from Asia. Mm. Here's uh, John. You're on the Run of Fed show. Yeah, I got two things. Uh, one, this is not a new problem that you're going through. I mean, every, every people that has come to this country has kind of had to found their own way. They always self-identified initially with where they came from. That's why they all lived together in certain yeah. segments of the areas. But as it spread out and people got more kind of diversified, that kind of starts to go away. And then the other thing I was going to say is regarding illegal immigrants, the reason nothing's ever got done with that is they're all undocumented, but most of them end up getting a all-in-one social security number. So they're all paying taxes already anyways. They're just not reaping any of the benefits. The... Um the Irish immigration into this country, particularly this city in Boston, almost tipped it. There were so many yeah. people that, you know, that to this day, the police department is still pretty Irish. The fire department is still pretty Irish. And that's been, you know, well over 100, 150 years or whatever. The Irish will not welcome in this country. And no, they weren't. I know that. They they had to struggle. The Italians weren't Every single race welcome. that came into this country yeah. had to struggle. You know, and that's where you go and goes back. Like, how can you identify? How can you be proud to be an American when the country that you're coming in is treating you like a virus and trying to push you out like a virus? When the Irish came into this country, they were not welcomed like a virus. So how can they identify as American? Uh, because now it's different because they're accepted because you kind of work to be accepted it's like it's almost like going to a new school when you go to a new school does everybody like you right off the bat no you got to kind of work your way in and more or less um, you know show your value to that social thing but here's the weird thing why do you know uh, Hicks has Queens uh, pride uh, <laughs> The fact that uh, Shelby is rooting for St. Louis because he, 
Because he was born there, right? Is that where you were born? No, I only lived there for like five years. But it's always weird. Like, why do people who were born in a certain place have any pride? They didn't ask for that. I I didn't ask to be born in America. So where would, you know, we have this pride to the place that we were born. Yeah. Everyone has that. Growing up in Florida, every kid was from someplace else. I was born in Florida, and we had the time in third grade where everyone had to walk up to the map of the United States and show where they were from. I had no idea where I was from. I thought I was a person without a home. How did you not point at Florida? <laughs> I, because I misunderstood. <laughs> everyone was pointing at Ohio or so Michigan what, or Pennsylvania. What did you do? Just stand and start crying? <laughs> uh, no, I but lied. He, you know what's interesting? Uh, Where did you say you're from? Ohio. The... Um, <laughs> Columbus? This is what, by the way, keeps you from learning. Because you always lie and go with it. But, you know, that's no longer the case. There's now people are born, most people that live in Florida are born there. But you grew up just as air conditioning was coming around. And <laughs> seriously, house. Uh, Florida did not, no one lived in Florida except for a small amount of people until air conditioning. And everyone went, wait, Florida's kind of fucking great. We thought it was a hot shithole. Same thing of Arizona. No one fucking lived in Nevada, Arizona until air conditioning. You know, Just they would bad. have like, you know, Vegas had like 10,000 people. And it was desert. Well, who yeah, it was hot fucking, fucking busy. Um... Here's um, Clarence. You're on the Ryan Fed show. Hello. Yeah. Oh my God! I feel like I'm listening to the goddamn view over here. Oh, because she has a vagina. <laughs> oh, what the fuck is this? I think Ryan and Castro need to have their own show. That's what I think needs to happen. Talk about all types of woman and guy problems. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad. Women That's... and guy problems. <laughs> Women and guys, there's two, two sides of the same coin. <laughs> They're different. Why are you asking questions about what people think and their thinking spots? <laughs> it's hurting me. Um, <laughs> let's go over to uh, Bernard. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, what's up? Um, I got two. I got two parents, right? Mother and father, of course. They're both Puerto Rican. They're 100% Puerto Rican. They were born and raised in the, in the island. They have me. I'm born in New York City. So what does that make me? Am crack I 100% dealer. Puerto Rican or am I a mutt? Knife-wielding crack uh, dealer. I would say that if I were you, I would say I'm Puerto Rican. But technically, you are an American. Puerto Rico is an American property. Then why is it duty-free? When I go to Puerto Rico, they consider me a gringo. They say oh, absolutely. Oh. Same problem. Yeah, Why is it? Who, how do we identify ourselves? You have more of a case to be American because Puerto Rico is part of America. Oh, here we go with this. Yeah. See, that pisses off. That pisses here off. Here we go. Yeah. What would you rather be identified as? What? No, well, uh, when, when I come out, I say, yeah, I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> you know, you're New York Rican. Yeah, New York Rican. You're New York Rican. Yeah, I'm New York Rican. I think you two are hooking up. I mean, <laughs> some, there was something happened between you. Get his two. number for Castro. <laughs> I'm surprised that you don't feel that patriotic. You feel like this country doesn't like you and you were born here. That's the thing. When people tell me who I am, I'm just, I'm from Long Island. I'm a girl from Long Island, from New York. I was born mm-hmm. and raised here. Did, I have, you know, this is my culture. Do the white people in Long Island treat you okay? I, in elementary school, was put into an ESL class because of my last name. 
Mm. Oh, explain all of, all by the ESL class. English is a second language. So mm. they put you in this class, they take you out of regular class, and they, you know, teach you English or fix your English or whatever. My English was perfect. English was my first language. They even put a kid in there who had a Spanish last name, didn't know a lick of English. I mean, of Spanish. Just because of the last name. So you're... So uh, yeah, I have yeah, yeah, I'm resentful. Yeah, <laughs> you're separated because I was separated, especially in an extremely white and Jewish town from the get-go. From day number one, I was told, "Oh, your last name, the color of your skin, that makes you different." Well, here's the other thing: don't blame the Jews on us. Don't blame the Jews. Gonna, that's one place of agreement we have. Come on, just stay with <laughs> um, you know the people from the south will, you know, they identify themselves as the Confederacy. Yeah. Um, except for one state. Anybody know? Texas. Texas mm. will go out of their way to act like they're not, you know, yeah, we were with them, but we did our own battles. Texans have Texas has huge crazy pride. pride. It, I love more that. prideful. But what, now, you, why does that make you proud? Because the, no, I love I love the pride that Texans have. Yeah, but you know that that's occupied Mexico, right? Yeah, no. Literally, yeah. was Mexico. It's really we wrote funny. We took it. Mexico to this day says Texas is Mexico. Yeah, it's really funny. Do you uh, do you know the actress Eva Longoria? Sure. So she is asked, you know, like she's told or she she has to identify or does identify herself proudly as a Mexican American, a Mexican, and everything. But her family was here in. America, you know, in the areas of California and Texas and everything, way before it was even America. Sure. So she, you know, even though she's, you know, she's told to associate as a Mexican or Mexican American, she's more American than any of us. Well, it's because like, the blood. It's like the Indian thing, though. Yeah. Where we were like, yeah, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, you want to be in this country for a long time until you get to that part of it. Um, we should have you drive around Texas since you like it so much and see how many times you get stopped. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> no, I've never been to the South. I hear that I should not go. <laughs> well, no, it's not like that. I, I have a... You saw how many of these callers loved you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With her liberal ideas. She's that woman talking back in the kitchen, bitch. Right, Shelby? Whoa. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kevin, you're on the run of Fetish Show. Kevin. Oh, hey. Yeah. I just had a couple of points to make, and, and I'm, I'm curious to see what Castro's response is going to be. Because uh, she, she seems to have a thing like Fez does, where she can hear an opposing point, which is a valid, accurate point. She'll just glance over it and will go back and restate her position and, and doesn't change her mind or anything. She, she's given this blanket statement that white Americans have a problem with anybody with brown skin because we hate immigrants. That is absolutely 100% false. What we don't like, and it, it's actually more so other immigrants, as we heard a little while ago from the lady from Ireland. I own a software company. We refused to outsource. We weren't going to send it overseas. What we did, because of a connection with a university is we ended up getting a lot of people that work from overseas, a lot of people from India come to work for us. And not only do they spend years, but they spend tens of thousands of dollars to go legally through the immigration process 
to work here and live here. What everybody has the problem with is those who break the law, circumvent the process, come here illegally. And to be honest with you, it's not even so much an, uh, being mad at the people who break the law. It's also the companies who make this happen because they will employ these people for, you know, because it's cheap. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and so my point is, it's not the color of your skin, babe. It's because of what these people are doing. I think you would be a lot more productive if you would recognize that. I do. I said it before. Absolutely. I don't think that that's right, that people come into this country illegally. I told you before that I want that I feel like a system should be enforced, but a better system that doesn't resort people. It is a great system. What is it that makes you think it's not a good system? Because it takes a woman, the woman from Ireland, 10 years to become a citizen of the United States. Exactly. It shouldn't be easy. Do you think it was ever easy? Yeah. Do you know what Ellis Island It used to be you got, it off, used to the, be yeah. you got off the boat and you were an American. Yeah, you went yeah. through Ellis Island, you yeah. filled some paperwork, and you were done. No, 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 no. Go, go take a history class and go look at Ellis Island right there. Go look at it. That's where the immigrants stayed. For quarantine. Yeah, that had to do with disease. That had to do more with disease than anything else. Um, But the fact of the matter is a lot of those people also had their names changed immediately. Yeah. Immediately to more American-sounding names. Which, when you think about it, is... uh, you know, to some people it might seem hurtful. To other people, I wonder if it was just like having a fucking... Online name, you know what I mean? It's your fucking handle. Yeah, you're gonna be spanked, Doug. Okay, now I'm your spanked, Doug. I had a friend who was Schweitzer, and they're like, "How does uh, Schwartz sound?" A little That's shorter. A little different um, ethnic background too. I don't really have like any uh, national pride either. Like, I mean, I'm proud to be an American, but I'm not really. I don't just consider myself oh that's just who i am and i don't really really so think about you? my polish ethnicity i mean but let's say let's let's so long ago yeah but let's take it off to that do you, you don't have any american pride not nearly as much as other people who just will fight for their rights these really really small ones you don't fight for your rights not as much as other people do there's no right that you think is worth fighting for if they were just like rounding me up, sure, but I like a lot of people that go marching for little things, I don't feel the same. What 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 strength. is something that's too small to march for? Like when they march for like gun control or just like a lot of stuff about like getting taxes paid more and I don't feel the same strength as them. Like I think maybe I will when I just start becoming even more independent. But until then, I just don't. I'm a I'm a huge fan of when people take to the streets yeah. for whatever reasons. Uh, I, at least shows that they're involved. Doesn't mean that they're right or you can make sense out of them. But I always get the biggest kick when people go, "Look, we're going to go down there so people understand." Uh, I'm all happy with Casey Kasem's kids being outside the house this week. Going, "Why can't we see our dad? Why is that blonde, crazy stepmother of ours keeping us from seeing our dad?" There's only five people out there with signs. <laughs> and I'm like, A, I didn't know Casey Kasem was still alive. So that was a thrill. And B, 
I always knew that that blonde chick he was married to was trouble. No good. Uh, I love the union guys with the big rat in the city. Yeah. I always stop. I uh, laugh. Uh, I, I told you guys the other day I was in some kind of Saudi Arabia uh, thing that popped up. And I'm like, who? I wonder who they're trying to... Re- if you're anywhere near the UN and they'll set up something cuz there's some local country fighting about what's you know yelling about what's happening uh on some country on the other side of the world i think it's i think it's good i think it's good it it, it helps you understand things and for people uh angry about some of the things that castro was saying i think it's great to be her age and bring up some stuff and hear other points of view. Just because she hasn't changed her mind yet, but I think the difference between her and us is we've never really walked around this country with her background. There's something we can learn from her as well. We can say, oh, stop it. You're just as equal as anyone. But we don't know. We've never actually... Walked through my yeah, shoes. Yeah, we've never done that. It's easy for people to say, like, oh, I'm being oversensitive, or oh, I'm being a cunt, you know? Fez said that. <laughs> yeah. Was it he me? Always, I don't you use always that drop word. that. But, you always drop that. But it's just, again, like, how do you know unless you walk through, you know, a day in a person's shoes? Well, here's an interesting thing, and I'm, I'm going to take us off topic. Yeah. Because I feel like we got there. You know, Fez is always calling women cunts. Always. Hicks, if he doesn't like anyone, he calls them uh, a dick. Mm-hmm. And Shelby's always saying an asshole. But then I was thinking, you never get mad at someone and call them a tit. It's really the only thing <laughs> that we have. You know, because I would say this that Rob Cross is acting like a real tit these days. <laughs> a pair of big fat All right. t- if you call someone an asshole you're basically saying what uh that they're um they're jerks that they're they act like they're being obnoxious they're being hard headed and how's that and, and a dick you're what a dick is someone who's purposely fucking just being a complete mean, mean. and that's different than asshole yeah. I think an asshole is somebody who's trying to butt heads with you. I think a dick is somebody who's trying to like hurt your feelings or be mean to you or do mean things. Uh, and a cunt? A cunt is something that men use to empower themselves. That's just something to attack women. Yeah. You never use it. Absolutely not. Yeah. I feel a cunt is a very aggressive word that men call women when a woman is intimidating them and intimidating their power. Then maybe we should say a tit. For somebody who's being really nice. Oh yeah, because you know, or jolly, or easy to get along. Breasts with. universally loved. I mean, call yeah. me, call me that left nipple. Okay. Yeah. She's being a real left. Real nipple. left nipple. Do you hate the the word cunt? Yes. Above all others. Yes. You know, I remember a time when you would never say that word in mixed company. It just sounds never... mean, aggressive, nasty. Like that word is, is meant to cause harm. Uh, particularly when. You know, it's much needed. You know what I mean? It's much <laughs> yeah. needed on the planet Earth to be used as an insult. But we use dick as an insult as well. I use I, cunt I, against men, too. And, and what men Why? would you call cunt? Because do you feel that that belittles that men to the status of a woman? And that's where you feel no, not that low. Not, not that, that low. low. Not that low. Nothing can be that low. <laughs> no. Well, if I'm like walking across the street and then, yeah. like a cab comes flying and almost hits me, I'm like, God, oh, fucking cunt. Right. See, so I was would, like, you motherfucker, you know? Which would really, if you took that as serious, as then, it, no, that's kind of gross. That's really yeah. the worst of all. It would seem. 
in Chile they have an insult Chile. word and <laughs> they call they call people your mother's vagina. That is the worst insult in Chile, calling them concha su madre. It's your mother's vagina. That's hmm. fucking nasty. Specific. Right? That would start a fight. Well, that depends would... on the mother if it's nasty or not. I mean, I No, but then you just start thinking, like, oh my god, that guy could just call me my mother. First time I got, I got called a motherfucker when I was a little kid, I came up swinging. <laughs> I just <laughs> thought of it as the incestual... Just shocking, right? Yeah, but what? <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> and then later, I was like, oh, okay, that's something we call each other. Yeah, it... I took it too literal. Okay, I understand where I come off. I see what happened here. You gets thrown around. I mean, very literal. We could start and say your your dad's balls to somebody. That oh, that's nasty. Yeah, no, because then you balls. start thinking about it. It's like, oh, what about no. dickless? Dickless. Shut up, dickless. I haven't even heard that. Is that another attack on women? That is. By the way, Shelby does not like women. Oh, hell no. He's made that clear. He's intimidated by and hateful towards. Almost to the serial killer point. <laughs> <laughs> it just frightened my inept white... Dick. I could see you in a girl suit. <laughs> I think he's making girl suits. See, I think asshole, too, I think is more... Like, I think if you know someone that you call an asshole, I think they're always an asshole. It's like part of their personality. I think a dick can be like specific moves. Like yeah. someone isn't always a dick, but they yeah, are always an asshole. That was a dick move, man. Like, I, don't know, I know some people that are just dicks. You can't get around it, and I don't expect them to change. Uh, Michelle, you're on the Run Face Show. You've never called anyone a boob? Never. Never. Really? I've heard that Maybe before. Like, oh, you're such a boob. But that, yeah. it almost seems like... Um, An idiot. Yeah, but even that, it's that's too white even for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's and, too white even for me. And you're not thinking like a pair of tits if you call them a boob. If someone no. gets called a boob, you're not thinking... Like a man boob. But it's almost like, oh, well, you boob. Yeah. What have you done, you boob? It's silly. It's just fucking stupid. Don't you have girl friends that call each other cunts? No. Women do not call each other. They do now, though. They do. College girls have taken back the night with that word. I was on a first date and a girl dropped a C-bomb. Like, eat my cunt? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Did she said it? (laughs) No. And then he puked all over it. (laughs) No, I dove in there. In that big, juicy cunt. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> Get in there, tell it like it is. Yeah? Is that what your dad did to your mom? Yes, she obviously did. <laughs> Stop it, you tell me. Don't you say you're in love with each other? Please. I can't take this, will they, won't they? So, Fez, you're okay with all those words to call people, right? I Yeah, I've used them, yeah. So, why, when you know... That when you're saying asshole, it's not specifically an asshole, right? And dick is not specifically dick, and cunt is not uh, specifically a vagina. Why would you the word faggot make you think of a gay person immediately? That one really is striking to you. Yeah, I mean, it just it clobbers me when I hear it. Because that's personal to you. It, well, it's personal to me, and everybody, I mean, assholes and dicks are universal. I don't have that's, a dick. So, so fag. We we use that word long before we understood it was men having sex with other men. And then originally it was a cigarette, and then faggot was a bundle of sticks. I didn't know that. What? What? 
A what fag is it? a cigarette. Wait, and... so I smoke fags? Yes, you do. Puff Puff we all know, know the cigarette story. Look at all yeah. these fags I have in this box. Puff on so you know that, don't act surprised. So yeah, if I wanted to go get now. a bundle of sticks, what would I say? But why would I get a bundle of sticks? To, see, they used it because in the, I don't know what year specifically or what. Seventies. No, no, no. Really, really long time ago. What they used 40s. to do is that they used to burn gays at the stick, and they used to get bundles of sticks right. to burn the gays. So that's where it came. That's where that terminology got connected, and that's why it's so hurtful. Because when you call somebody a faggot, you're you're insinuating, you're mentioning like, oh, like. We kill your people. We don't like your people. We don't like them to the point that we're going to burn them. So time-consuming. Yeah. No, is that why they call <laughs> meatballs that, too? Those meatballs in England? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? They have one word for everything over there. Well, no, you eat some nice faggots. You fucking put, put them in the... <laughs> but see, here's the other thing. How come we're not offended by the witch thing? Because they burned women like that, mainly for being midwives, you know? Mm -hmm. So you think women would get offended every time someone's called a witch. And by the way, witch is actually, there are Wiccans who are witches, yeah. and the fact that we teach little stories about people of a certain religion that eat children. Now imagine, Fez, if you heard this, they went into this thing, and what was there? A homosexual. <laughs> now the homosexual started chasing them around the house. It was an evil, scary... And yet, here you're not offended by the fact that uh, Halloween... Which I wish we were just jumping over and get right into Christmas, man. I wish every day was Christmas. Right? It's a million days of Christmas. This is like the saddest Christmas music. <laughs> and they were sore afraid. And an angel came upon them and said, Fear not. Well, you couldn't see that special getting on TV today, could you? So oh, it just no, breaks that... off in the Bible, Bob, <laughs> for like just... a good 10 minutes. We went to Mother's house for a second Christmas, but she just <laughs> sipped white wine in the corner alone. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Mr. Brains. Shelby oh, just put a take that down. What's Shelby? that say, Shelby? I Mr. Can't read Brains, four pork faggots <laughs> in a rich West Country <laughs> Is that what they call meatballs? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I know that. That over That's because they cook it over sticks. You get spaghetti and faggots. Old. <laughs> Six you faggots. Do Don't try to get it started. Our faggots. You know, know. Can I just tell you something, Fez? I hear you getting strong with everybody. <laughs> We're not all Sam, okay? Not everybody is gonna fucking melt like a candle. I will not be bullied. <laughs> I'm not gonna be bullied out of this building. I work here. I'm not a Sam. Give me a break. Our faggots better in a red <laughs> or white sauce. White. I like them in a brown sauce. <laughs> it's a red sauce called a doctor. <laughs> Coming up October 19th, that's the Cancer Sucks Benefit. We need to go die in because it sucks. <laughs> to help out Narczito. Great afternoon of comedy starts at 2 o'clock that Saturday on the 19th at the Bitter End on Bleecker Street. Big J. Okerson is going to be there. Otto and George performing. The Reverend Bob Levy. Great afternoon of comedy for a great cause. Come out to the Cancer Sucks Benefit, October 19th, 2 p.m. at the Bitter End on Bleecker Street in New York City. Mm. Uh, Don, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, Roddy. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Hey, I'm just curious. We got the kids sitting around there. 
what is the meanest name you've ever called anyone and, 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 and the power that name give, you gave to that person, how did it make you feel long-term? you understand what I'm saying? No, not at all. Okay. I, and I, I don't know, I'll, excuse me, but I'll call it Shelby a little white faggot punk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shelby, how does that make you feel? Not that bad at all, really. Well, see, to me, it gives uh, that power, that, that name, a power that is not even registered on the chart where it's, it, it don't make sense to give a name a power. Is that, am I, am I, am I on course there? Yeah, I think it is. I, I I know, and that is why people will... And I said women have done this, where they attempt to take back the word. Yeah. And the word cunt doesn't mean nearly as much as it... I mean, I swear to God, you could stop time by saying that when I, I was yeah. growing up. If you said it in front of a woman. No one would. As a matter of fact, if someone would have said it, the other people in the room would like, Hey! Come on. There's a lady here, you know? Um, but I do think, uh, I do think that I did not understand the power of certain words in my neighborhood, racial terms, because they were used so freely. I had no idea that even words like Polak were of hurting feelings because Polish people that I know would refer to themselves as the Polak. Well, Z-Man still does. You know, and then people later decided, oh, this is a very offensive phrase. Especially because when were they given that term when they first came in here? Yeah, I don't even know the history of it, to be yeah. honest well, with you. Well, I know when when the Irish first came here, they were called mixed, and that's yeah. a very offensive word. Not to us. We don't care. Well, we not care now. I heard that that's a very offensive word to call an Irish person. Mm. Everybody always just say we're a bunch of mixed. Yeah. Well, to, the word speak to Hispanic, like... I find it offensive, not as offensive as I find, like, oh, you know, the M-bomb mm-hmm. type of thing. But, you know, you give, you like he said, you give words power. Whatever you feel self-conscious about or non-confident about, and when they call you that, that's when these words hurt. Uh, I will agree somewhat with that, that you can give word um, power. Here's uh, Craig. Craig, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, guys. Yeah. Uh, I just want to ask Fez if the word cocksucker bothers you. You know what? It it bothers me, but not nearly as much as the other F word. Well, why, I mean, if, why would cocksucker bother you? If the most of the people who do it is are women. Yeah, well, most of the people who've ever done it are women. Yeah, that's what I mean. It, it sounds like you're trying to make someone sound submissive. So you're saying that a woman is submissive? No, it's an insult to gays and women. Not necessarily. You would be surprised how many women don't need to be talked into it. Or gays, for that matter. <laughs> it's only you that seems to be <laughs> gay and disgusted by that act. You wish you were smoking, don't you? Yeah, I do. Should never taken this fag out. <laughs> oh, see. You're the worst. Yeah. You're just the worst. But wait, do you realize you're saying that and Shelby's here? But and you held that that whole time? Yeah. For me to bring it out? Well, I have a nice East egg like me. I can't I I can't. I got addicted mm. to them for a week and then I got really sick because of it. You like those? 
Really? I love an e-cig because it makes me feel like Astro Boy. Like I live in the fucking future. <laughs> Menthol's really good. I have a nice menthol mm. e-cig. Mm. Compared to like a... Like does it just... It doesn't compare to a cigarette so you just like, I, get I that out I smoke cigars. Of, oh, just cigars? Yeah, and I think it has more to do with my oral fixation than anything else. Yeah. But I, I like it inside the building. I don't smoke this on the street, though. I see a lot of people now outside smoking e-cigs. Or, like, in the restaurant, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, yeah, they can do it, but it's still weird seeing somebody, like... Yeah, because everyone fucking... Yeah, while we're sitting around talking about how we're beating racism, we still hate cigarette smokers, like... And now, you still never hear of anyone dying of secondhand smoke, the fucking liars. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a goddamn second-class citizen, because I enjoy a Marlboro Red. I fucking hate this thing. This pisses me off. We should name meatballs Marble Reds now. It's so disgusting. <laughs> hey, hey, it's offensive to me. You know what? This is the most confident I've seen Fez in maybe years. And it's all because he feels like he put Sam down. He got a big old W. Yes, I did. What do you think? What was the line you think that got to Sam? I think it was when I brought up that all the years of working on the the radio show that he does and everything he could learn that all he still has is just looking for someone else's fuck-ups. Yeah, but that doesn't seem like the kind of motivation that's going to make you guys friends now. Like, you should try to think of ways that you, you two are more alike, not just pick out personal things of him. Your whole point was that you are a good person and he needs to see you as one. And you are celebrating the fact that you see something that you view as a weakness in him. Yeah, well, I mean, that was me finally coming back and defending myself. I had let so many things just go by. And once I unveiled the master plan there of why he was upset and why he was doing the things he did. And when I heard today that this is done... I yeah, I put it in the win column. Hmm. Okay. And so did my therapist. Does your therapist listen to ONA? <laughs> no, I had to explain everything. Yeah, but to you him. explained it through your nutty filter. Did you play the audio for them over the phone? Because <laughs> she might go like this. Holy shit! This is a loss. <laughs> this is a gigantic loss for you. This guy's delusional. How crazy are you that you thought you won this? Um, all right, we got a break here. Yeah. Right, Mike's got a good one, though. Mike, go ahead. Hey, YB, how you doing? Good. Um, I grew up, my dad would always, he was a police officer, drill instructor. Anytime a woman pissed him off, he always called him a twat. Mm. Which I thought was kind of nasty. Well, twat, that came from when a vagina is slammed up against a shower door. <laughs> Oh and that's God. the sound. That's <laughs> the, that. Yeah, that's the sound it makes as you peel it back off. Uh, again, you give the word power. I think mm -hmm. what's most offensive to me and kind of makes me feel bad for men that feel it's okay to say those words because all it is proving to me is that they're intimidated by us. Mm -hmm. They're so intimidated by the fact that I have the balls to talk and say... Or the know, ovaries. And I have those 
nice big fertile <laughs> ovaries to talk about what I think about and what I believe. And that intimidates men, so they need to call me a cunt. One day I was working on, I used to fundraise for Planned Parenthood on the streets of Manhattan. And, you know, that's a very... Some Baby killer. Yeah, I met a lot of motherfuckers like you. And, you know, a lot of people were pro-choice and a lot of people were pro-life. And our job wasn't to change opinions. Those who were pro-choice, please come join us, support us. This one guy came up to me, fucking called me a baby murderer, a cunt, cunt exel, what got, like, this close to my face. And I thought he was literally going to beat the shit out of me. Really did. People came and were just like, yo, you can't fucking do that. He was calling me X, Y, and Z. And I really feel it was the fact that I had, that he was intimidated by the fact that I'm out there on the streets defending my rights as a woman mm -hmm. and the fact that nobody has the right to tell me whether or not I can have a baby. Like, what if I was raped? Like, there's a huge argument when it comes you're not, to you're abortion. Not even, you don't even have to make that here. Yeah. Just your choice is fine It's with my me. choice, absolutely. And the fact that he's like, baby killer, like, you know, all this crap is just like, and calling me kind of just like, you don't care about the babies. You just care about the fact that we have the right to defend ourselves what percentage of men from your point of view this is not going to be scientific what percentage of men do you think dislike or hate women not a big percent but i think there is a percentage i did not know i think there's a higher percentage than, than you think well i, I would say in them. this room with four of us oh yeah so would, that's a pretty i mean i don't know how i would chris say 50 percent yeah i think that uh, i think chris <clears throat> likes women very much yeah. oh yeah i love them i like uh women very much how can you not shelby like women? And, and fez yeah. literally <laughs> hate women i understand you know i mean i don't understand but why would a man hate a woman when you can go and fuck her. Like you get pleasure from from a woman because and everything. Because they feel intimidated by not. Well, because you being... can't just fuck her and leave her. She's not going to stay quiet. A lot of them don't think that they can. They've been turned down at certain points of their life, or in his case, to feel less than. But I will tell you this, and by Mister, I'd stick up for bullies. If I started me being mean to Castro. The real Fez would come on fucking board <laughs> so quickly, Aaron. and you would find out how much he dislikes women. Because I know at certain times in my life, I'd say, uh, I, "Let's." A certain woman was. He is so quick. She's always been a fucking bitch. She's always, and I'm like, calm it down, Holy shit. fucking lunatic. <laughs> I don't think there's anything more hurtful to me personally is a man that hates women. Because it's just like, I have something that I can't control. Ovary, tits, vagina, and you hate me. Because of my genetic makeup. Not because of the person that I am. Not because I'm a hard-headed individual, per because of my personality. Because of who I am as a person. What if I was a sweetheart or whatever? But if I express my opinion or maybe an opinion that you know that's different from yours, then I'm a cunt or a bitch or you hate me. Alright, hold on. I got uh, some bad news for Chris Stanley. Oh, no. I got a break in the spy report. Spy oh, report. No. Spy report. Spy report. Spy report. Silk Road has been shut down. Holy shit. That's fucked up. Uh, it's up on the iBang wire right now. This, um, I know you just got some product from there not too long ago. Yeah. That, this, well, alright, the Silk Road is basically the eBay of drugs. Like, literally an e a drug eBay, where there's, there's sellers, there's reviews, there's fucking deals you can get, you can get anything you want on there. 
You get. You used to be able to get. You know, like fucking illegal tracking equipment, any drug you want in weight or it's, anyway. It's all sent to the mail. It's all supposedly totally, totally anonymous. Them shutting them down is. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people getting busted. How did I not know about this? Um, I don't know why anybody would order from it. I'm shocked oh, that yeah. people would That's have like asking hash or fucking downs or speed sent to their house. There's there if you go out, it's like get you know buy two grams of coke, get free gram of ecstasy or free gram of Molly. Like it, really? it was just totally out in the open on on, on um. How did not get shut down earlier? Well, it, apparently it was supposed to be totally encrypted, and you bought all these drugs through bitcoins, which are also supposed to be totally encrypted. But I guess the FBI busted it up. I mean, that's, in, that's insane. It was supposed to be totally anonymous. Uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts has been indicted. I don't know whether that's the same <laughs> Dread Pirate Roberts that's always been there. Yeah, that's what the guy called himself who ran uh, the Silk Road. The Dread Pirate Roberts. Um, wow. They just busted another one. There was another, like... Um, I guess copycat Silk Road. It was called something else that uh, got shut down maybe like two weeks ago. Apparently that dude was only 29 running that fucking whole Holy giant shit. fucking website of money spinning back and forth. <laughs> he must have been really... Uh, according to this, he was uh, a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania, Ivy League school. <laughs> they, yeah. They, I mean, this thing was gigantic. And people like, you know, they had like purity numbers, like 82% pure Peruvian cocaine you know, Bud from Humboldt County. It was all and it was all out in the open. You used to be able to buy dr uh, guns on there too, what? but then they shut that down because they thought the heat was too bad. <laughs> well, yeah, the heat's bad on that. But <laughs> who wants to buy heroin? I just somebody came in here and had some for Chris, and it was all sealed in regular packaging. Yeah. Well, you know, done pretty professionally, and I'm like, maybe I'm too old school here, but I could not have this delivered to my house. Um, yeah, the, I, I, um, I was always very weirded out by it. And people say, like, packaging is, you know, they can't tell anything. People review the packaging of the stuff. Everything's supposed right. to be vacuum sealed or whatever. And, like, you know, it's cleverly hidden inside a, a fucking UPS parcel. Th this is fucking crazy. But I would, I'd be nervous to fucking buy vitamins at the, or, or cigarettes at the, you know, whoever was in charge. They just too. come down on you. No, in the sense, like, why, you know, why wouldn't the FBI be capable of, like, making a fake website, like, the, uh, you know, in the yeah, sense just of that, and just, you up. know, getting people, oh, you want to order Coke? Oh, you were going to order, kind of like a minority report thing, like, oh, you were going to do it. You're always worried about the minorities, aren't you? <laughs> Hey. About <laughs> yeah. We had a break here, Chris. You yeah. wouldn't let me break once today. Well, I mean, this is fire report, Silk Road, this is huge. Uh, we're going to give out, um, we had something signed by Paul Williams today? Yes, we did. What do we have? We have the nearly 35th anniversary edition of the Muppet movie. Signed by Paul Williams. It's all part of our uh, Million Days of Christmas. It's Ron and Fez's Million Days of Christmas. Win, win, win. It's, you gotta win. You wanna win, right? It's a million days of Christmas. There's a million days left. <laughs> Until October. Uh, a little later on in the show, we will have uh, Paul Williams on. Uh, your chance to win for first responders. Uh, but we are not going to put a piano in here. <laughs> he doesn't play. <laughs> He doesn't play. Uh, break and be back.
Um, lots to talk about uh, on the iBang today, uh, including the fact that um, we're going to have a lock yourself in weekend, travel the world from your couch. And Pips has put up a the car of the future is coming. Uh, Pips is our he's our tech guy. He knows his shit. He's our technical guy. Yeah, he's up in all the new stuff. That's all coming up. Uh, it's the Run and Fish Show. The Run and Fish Show on the Open Anthony Channel. Sirius XM. <laughs> You've been warned. Can't Heat, Artist of the Day. Some bands, you don't even need to sing a tune. That's pitchy is a plus. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. I've got all kinds of assholes on this show, but I only have one tech guy. Only one guy who can look into the future. Uh, says Watley looks into the past. Shelby looks into his dark heart. Chris Stanley is too drunk to do anything. But Pips is like a modern day Nostradamus. Uh, always gives us the next big uh, technical craze. And this time it's stuff happening with the cars. Yeah, cars seems to be the big thing now. The Google uh, driverless car started a revolution. Because that's where things are headed. But before we hit that point in time, there's going to be little things added on to different types of cars, which eventually will all come together into one car, which will be the future car. But see, here's the weird thing, because I hear Google may start manufacturing cars. Apple has been looking at manufacturing cars. And now I'm starting to think of a car as just a movable computer. You know what I mean? Like, these things are going to be com- closer to computers than cars, and they're talking about it almost like they're little living spaces. That's what it probably will come to. Because if you're driverless, what are you going to be doing in the car? You'll be hanging out. I'm going to be sleeping. You'll be sleeping? If I I could say, I'm going to take a nap, uh, and when I wake up, I'm going to be, you know, at my parents' house, 
I think it would be the greatest thing that's ever happened to the planet Earth. <laughs> I'd rather have that than a tetanus shot. It's going to revolutionize sleeping patterns. <laughs> See, this is what I'm saying. You don't look into the future. That's all you're focusing on. All right, let's... Now, the stuff you're looking at is not a single car, but different things that are going to be happening with the car. Yeah, so m there's multiple things going on. Um, one of the big things that's coming out now, which is a, an idea from like 05, but right now it's really peaking, is the airless tire. People hate getting flat tires. They mm -hmm. hate driving around, they hear the thing burst. Oh no, we gotta it's call. It's the worst feeling ever. Yeah, AAA, we gotta sit here for hours. It's not fun. Mm -hmm. So there's this concept of an airless tire, which was kind of thrown around, but no one really picked up on it until the military picked up on it. They said, hey, we need that for our vehicles. And that's when things start getting created. Because if the military wants it, it will happen. Right, they put a lot of money in this stuff. Definitely. So they have this airless tire they're putting into use now, which can be shot with a 50 cal bullet. It can be punctured, and guess what? It keeps going. It keeps going. Now, the, oddly enough, you think this is something that they would have been focused on in the 1950s. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like that has always been uh, a gigantic problem in the history of the car. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a fixable one. And how exactly are they doing this? Well, they're using a honeycomb type... Um, it's, it's hard to say. Cause they're taking rubber and making it a, hun a honeycomb thing. And the way it works is that the air is getting good airflow through the honeycomb plastic. So it's almost like it's see-through in a way yeah. when it stops. So the heat, there's not much heat going on because the air is hitting it. Because most tires now when you're driving, they heat up very quickly. And then they burst. With these, the air is getting through it. It's it's a lot cooler, and also if it gets punctured, nothing happens. It's not hitting anything, so you could keep driving on, go through any obstacle. So the way you're looking at this, whatever tires you got with when you got the car, you would keep them for just as long as bumpers. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would just always be there. That's crazy. And if you look at that, it looks like something that. Is inventable. Like, there's some stuff you can look at and go, how did anybody ever think of that? But this one actually makes a lot of sense. I would thought, as you said, this would have been around a lot, like, before, way in the past. Because it doesn't seem that of a crazy concept. It seems pretty regular concept, where you're not really blown away that you're thinking, this should have happened before. All right, hold on, um, Tom. Here's Tom in Boston. You're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, the airless tire will never happen because... The air lobbyists are too powerful in Washington. Um, well, I'm sure if Firestone isn't <laughs> making these things, they're freaking out about it. Uh, all right, I love this one. Yeah. And it's a, I mean, obviously we always thought we would have hover cars, but this one makes a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah, since the it, the uh, special forces are using it now, they're saying that now production will come in for the regular retail market for consumers, but they just don't know when yet. Probably sooner than later, and the cost is still up in the air. But if anything, that would probably save money if you pay a little bit more, because you're not going to replace them. You're going to have them for a long time. Well, and I would agree with that 100%. But the weird thing is, tires last a lot longer than they ever did before. Shelby, have you ever changed a tire? Have not. When I was a kid, by the time you were like seventeen, you would change the, your tire. Your fucking tires going flat half a dozen times. You were always jumping out, but you had real jacks in those days. The jacks that you get in cars now, no one knows how to use them. Oh, they're real flimsy and tiny, and yeah. especially if you have custom rims. 
you can't change it yourself anyway. Yeah, yeah, You need special yeah, yeah. keys, you need the guys to show up, it's a whole pain in the ass. So yeah, hopefully this will change things. The Another thing I was looking at was, going back to the driverless car thing, um, Audi is testing a complete different thing when going to garages. They want to make things simple for the consumer. When you go to a garage, they want you to get out of the, right before you like drive into the garage, they want you to get out of the car and just walk away, let the car do it itself, called piloted parking. They want you to use your phone, interact with the car in the garage. Having sensors set up in the garage, your car then reacts to your phone. So you tell it where to park, it parks for you. You just get out of the car and let it do its thing, and it will drive to a parking spot that's open, turn off, and then that's it. You're now, done. How 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 long are we talking about here before this happens? The problem with this is the technology is there, but the infrastructure isn't. No, garages have to be set up with the technology for it to work. That's the only thing we're waiting on. Besides that, we're pretty much good to go. Think of how like great this will be for women, because now they don't have to go into the the scary dark yeah. parking garage after work and all. They, you know, and like a mall parking, you go into those some of those garages and two two o'clock in the morning they could be scary. Now the car just comes out and meets you out front. Exactly. Boom! You jump in. How's it going to know it's you? you? I guess you kind of open your door through the phone? Yeah, so the phone does everything for you. That's kind of like the key for this, is that you do everything through the phone. The phone sends the signals to the car. The car knows, hey, I'm ready to go. And then the car shows back up right in the front. See, here's the other, like, you're going to be able to start the car with your phone. You open your house with the phone. You lose your fucking phone in the future. <laughs> you're done. And it's seriously <laughs> like having a heart attack. I saw a commercial where... You. All home security was done through your phone, where you can just close through the lights on, change the temperature, and lock Makes the Makes total sense. I don't trust it. But of course you don't, old man. <laughs> they should call this car technology no rape. <laughs> you got your no rape on, honey? <laughs> this is interesting, where who do you trust with your car more? You operating it from a phone or a parking garage attendant mm. when but you're turning you over the keys? You operate it from the phone. <laughs> you, 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 I would trust that way more. Because now you're having some responsibility over it. You're not going to turn into a fucking Ferris Bueller where they're out driving around all day. Yeah, I don't do trust you, those guys anymore. They're all alcoholics. Do you drive it out of the garage or do, do you wait at the beginning of the, like the entrance and then it just comes to you? Yeah, it just comes to you, buddy. It comes yeah. to you. What if it gets stolen back. and you'll just be sitting there for hours <laughs> waiting for you'll it? You'll be able to see on your phone if, it, if someone steals it. Yeah. So you're yeah, going to know son. where it is at all times. I like the way people come up with the dumbest shit ever. What if there's a muskrat in there and then the door opens up? <laughs> fucking muskrat bites you. You act like this shit isn't thought of. This is a guy in Transformer. What if you want to park? Then you like, have that thing where you're both at the entrance, but you can't do that thing where you go, Oh, no, you go. No, you go. The car will do that. <laughs> no Two cars will be talking to each other, yeah. and the ego isn't going to be caught up. They're not going to road rage with each other. Or you, back that robot. <laughs> you back up. You back up. I think in the future we're going to see people driving their cars as something foreign. Like, what? Wait, you drive your own car? I know. What are you crazy? You're going to look like a fucking maniac. Yeah. And probably cops will pull you over. By cops, I mean a car fucking <laughs> with no one in it is going to pull you over and say, "What are you trying to do?" That's now, it. That's I it. will. I think if cars start driving themselves, I will say uh, that. Car and bar is going to be the same exact thing. <laughs> but your ass in my household, it will be. <laughs> it's going to be a man cave. You're going to be watching your fucking movies, partying. I'm fucking craps table in my car. Smoking e-joints. <laughs> <laughs> 
You got any future dabs? Pass them over. <laughs> this kind of makes you wonder. Like, you look around at fucking kids that are like three, and you know their life is going to be totally different than yours. That's a real mind fuck, man. Now, Just would you allow leave it at that with your, the kids? Will you allow your kids to be in the driverless car if you're not there? How do you think I that's going to work? Yeah, I would definitely. I would put the kids and send them to school. I'd say to the car, take them to school. <laughs> it was a straight car, yeah. <laughs> You're fucking such a bully, an anti-gay bully. I let my robot car breastfeed my kids. I don't care. <laughs> you let your car molest your kids. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, speaking about cars molesting kids, they, uh, they have a new safety feature also in cars now where the seat will vibrate, letting you know what's going on. Mm. So if you're driving and someone's coming from your left and about to hit you, the left side of your seat will vibrate, loading, letting you know, hey, you need to move. Someone's about to hit you right now. Right, that's joystick. That's the fucking Madden joystick with the rumble pack. <laughs> you just got a rumble pack into your car. Why does it? I I was reading this thing where the car itself will start to move over. Yeah. So the car itself will take over. Okay. So if you go into a skid, the car now takes control from you. That's. I'd rather have that than the seat going off. That the seat starts bucking You're, me. I'm just. Can I tell freak. you? Your fucking seat's rumbling enough. You gassy prick. <laughs> Medication. <laughs> yeah, sure it's medication. There's blood and cum in there. <laughs> <laughs> They're saying the vibrating seat, though. Sam, get in here. This is great. <laughs> They're saying the vibrating hey, seat is uh, really a better way of alerting drivers. They're saying it's actually saving more lives by having a vibrating seat. Oh, absolutely. Seat. Your seat fucking vibrates. You're going to be paying attention. But I mean, it'll only work for men. Like, if a woman's in the car seat, she might just you know be what? like, she might be driving into traffic. Just to, you know. Let me change that to seventy-five percent of the people here hate. By the way, I also think Pips hates women. Oh, Pips definitely oh, yeah. does. I don't. I, I don't hate women per se. You be you hate every individual that you met. Um, here's uh, Clarence. You're on the Run of Fed show. Hey, I wanna, I wanna know where it parked my '86 Toyota pickup. <laughs> it will not. So no, that's. Well, the problem I have is where my gear shifter is. I got a goddamn stick shoved in there, because I lost the other one. All right, here's Denise. Denise in New York. Denise, do we got you, darling? See, in the future, this there'll never be fallout like this. Uh, Jeff, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie Fez. Uh, yeah. Talking about technology and kids, uh, a couple weeks ago I was home and uh, my nieces started making fun of me because I actually used my car key to open my door. Yeah, that is, I guess, you know, for them that age, they're not used to that. And me, every time I rent a car and I have to fucking, I don't get a key, Yeah, I'm like, where the fuck are my keys? The whole weekend I'm like, Hold on, one thing. I'm the key. I'm missing. Oh yeah, that's right. There's no such thing as a key. It's the future. I turn it on with my mind. I went to Florida because uh, these two girls asked me to chaperone them because I needed someone to rent a car. I was old enough to do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> and they they gave me a Nissan and they gave me the the thing to open the doors. But I said, Oh hey, where's the key? There is no key. You just right. push the button to start the car. And to right. me, this was a long time ago. I'm like, Wow, this is crazy shit. But you have to have that thing that is like a key in your pocket. Yeah. It's fucking bizarro world. I'm not sure I'm ready for it. I hope I die before all these wonderful changes take place. <laughs> I like life not easy. 
I, I'm definitely. I'm de- if once I hear those cars coming out, I'm definitely going to kill myself just so I don't have to see it. <laughs> you will do so great in the drunk mobiles. Now, I wonder about this. Will you just get into a cab with no one in it in the city? I bet, yeah. And then you just, you just tell, well, I'm sure there'll be voice recognition, right? And then you just t- say, go here, go to Astoria. And then it just brings me there. It'll still refuse. Come on. <laughs> it's not that bad. He just means going over the bridge, and then you don't get anybody to come back. I've never had that happen to me. Feds happen to him all the time when you live in row I. That's Rhode Island. That's, that's totally different. It's not Rhode Island. <laughs> Rhode Island. I almost said Rhode Island. <laughs> I can understand <laughs> if they were refusing. Take me to Rhode, Rhode Island, please. They do the same thing for Brooklyn. They will not take you to Sheepshead Bay. They won't do it. They don't want to drive that far. Yeah, it's South Brooklyn. No one wants to go to Still, Sheepshead. I'm paying you to drive me there. And it's against the law. Yeah. They, they have to take They you drive there. away every time. Um, here's Eric in Colorado. You're on the Run of Fed show. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, one of the things they say with a lot of the technology on vehicles is the Mercedes S-Class, the technology and advancement in that is typically three to five years ahead of everybody else. So right now, the 2014 model... What comes standard on that car, technology, safety, et cetera, is what you will see in the next three to five years in most other cars or most other manufacturers will be going to. And what kind of jumps are they making? You know what? I just, just some stuff I've read on it. I don't even remember all the details on it. But hell, if it's you know, if you could buy a hundred and thirty thousand dollar car, you might as well have all all of it. But it's you know, that's where a lot of like your lane departure warnings come from. These uh, uh, blind spot cameras or blind spot warnings—that's where a lot of that originates from. Uh, the the uh, radar or the night vision sensors on the cars. Uh, Mercedes was one of the first ones to have that, and then it went down to Volvo and and Cadillac ha- has it. So it all kind of you know progresses down, but they said that's where um, the you know I like I said I forget what some of the brand new stuff on it is. But they say that's where everybody else will be in three to five years. All right, thanks. He's right about Mercedes because they they did a thing where they came out with this night vision. As he said, it's a little old now, but they updated it where yeah, you before you were able to see people, so you had the infrared car system where you could see people walking at night. That way you don't hit them. The problem was it doesn't work for animals, and they couldn't figure that one out because animals is a whole different thing. It took them 13 years to figure out the technology for them to see animals at night with their infrared uh, car system. Now they have it. The new 2014s can detect animals. So when you're driving and a deer's about to walk, you see the deer and it pops up and it says, you know, shows you the deer coming. And that's going to be a big thing because they're thinking it's going to save millions of deer's lives and plenty of people who crash into them. Well, yeah, uh, because most of the time you hit a deer, you're going to fucking wreck your car a lot of people get killed that way but what is the difference between a human and a deer with the infrared not exactly sure they said they had to catalog uh, tons of different animals like thousands because the sensors for some reason just weren't picking them up and it took them so long because they had to catalog i think literally over like i don't know probably over ten thousand animals different things whatever it was and now the sensors finally work where they could pick it up so raccoon deer anything they have it ready now and it's ready to go and it's pretty cool the whole idea of it, where the thing pops up and it shows you, hey, there's a deer right there. And then sometimes, uh, with the cars now, like you said before, they will stop for you. You don't have to press the brake. They will stop for you. It will control the car where if anything happens, it will brake. Now, I could use the night thing, because I, I started to get night blind. Mm. And I don't think I was when I was younger, but now it's even worse where I think I see things and they're not. <laughs> I'm like, hey! 
Oh, nothing's there. Okay. This will be bad for that guy in the motorcycle. This thing yesterday. <laughs> All those cars are surrounding him. The car's like, oh, I better stop. Oh, keep fucking going. <laughs> That's fucking true. I didn't think of that. Can you fucking say I'm panicking? Someone just walked in front of me with a shotgun. Here's uh, Chris and PA. You're on the Run of Face show. Yeah, when you were talking about not getting keys when you rent cars, we went to Florida a few months ago, and we didn't rent a car, and the room keys, like any hotel, are swipe keys. Yeah. The first day, I was panicking. I was constantly feeling my pockets because I didn't have keys in my pocket. So the rest of the week, I just threw my keys in my pockets just to alleviate any anxiety that I was having, thinking I lost them somewhere in the park. I didn't even need them. It was a house key and my car key. Yeah, they're talking about getting rid of hotel keys, and you just put your phone up against mm. the door. That's really going to fucking weird me out. What if your fucking phone dies? Screw that. Give me the goddamn key card. Um, then you go down to the front desk and they let you in. What if they don't trust me? <laughs> <laughs> what if there's a muskrat in the room? And you go in there, it starts biting your balls. Um, Hex, are you taking the 28 points or betting against? If it's straight up non-teasing, I I'm betting against. I'm, I mean, I think that Denver will beat them out by that. Twenty-eight's got to be a lock. <laughs> I mean, if you're Jacksonville and you're getting twenty-eight points and you're not pissed, you got to be saying fuck this shit. I'm gonna I'm gonna win outright. But they're so bad, and they refuse to start the sadly the better quarterback on the team. I like, don't think they're as bad as the record. They're awful. <laughs> Jones Drew is just fucking done. You're done. I feel it sometimes. <laughs> um, here's uh, Sean. You're on the Run of Fez show. Gentlemen, I drive a Chevy Volt. That is the car, the today's car of the future, and the Tesla Model S will be tomorrow's once they get it cheaper. I'm driving, uh, I've been driving 21,000 miles of 86 gallons of gas. Wow. Jesus. It's ridiculous. Wow. And this uh, Tesla car, they're finally going to take it. Is it this year they're taking it across the country? Yeah, for the first uh, time ever. Yeah, so they're going to have uh, they're going to have a, a network of superchargers around the country. You're not going to have to pay thirty minute free charge. Or in certain places, there's going to be a robot that will literally come from under your car, unbolt your battery pack, put it in a charger, and then give you a brand new charged one in ninety seconds. That you'll have to pay for. But like, Elon Musk is fucking brilliant. It's just too expensive for the normal driver. But according to him, in like three years, they're going to have a $30,000 model of a Tesla that will get about a 200-mile range. That'd be fantastic. All right, thanks, man. And then all, um, all homes, I think, built outside of San Francisco are going to have the charge stations. They're going to be. They're going to say you need to have a charge station with a new home. So he's, up, he's all up in it. Plus, when the Hyperloop comes around. We know you love him. We know you fucking love him, and the Hyperloop isn't coming around. <laughs> Even he said that. No, I mean, once his Tesla thing gets underway, he'll have time to make the Hyperloop. Then he's going to have his space program going. He's got that on lock. <laughs> he's sure he has a number two somewhere that can fucking handle the day-to-day. -day. They did you... base Iron Man off of him. Yeah, except for there was a comic book called the Iron Man for fucking 50 years that the guy acted just like Iron Man. I don't know. No, I do know. It's actually, God damn it, I wish Andy from Cleveland would back me up. He's a comic book nerd. 
right, what else we got? I love, by the way, this is why I like Pips so much more than you guys. When he has a fucking topic, it isn't stupid. No offense, Fez, but your topics are stupid. And Chris Stanley, yours are all drug and gambling fucking soaked. Lock it up. And then this is fucking Shelby's. Um, people that their assholes could probably fall out. Don't you hate vaginas? <laughs> Women suck. This is people that when they talk, their breath smells like a duck fart. Don't you like being a dick to people? That's not his voice. I'm Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way I would know that was an impression of him, is if he used the name. Why don't you guys go fuck my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> I do that impression of Fez now. Where's Sam? I'll kick his ass for him again. Ask him if he wants another one. <laughs> tough guy. Yeah, he is. I handled he's, it. He's a tough guy. What else you got? Uh, going back to the Tesla cars and the electric cars, they're trying to do this new thing called inductive charging. You might have heard of it. Um, there's a story coming out of South Korea with the buses that will run by themselves, never need to charge because the charging is already in the ground. The concept comes from they're putting this plate underneath the car, and then they'll put on the, um, depending on where you're at, like the South Korean one, on the street, they'll have the, the plate also. So every time that the bus passes over these plates, it's charging the buses. I can't even understand that. So now, That's over my noggin. So now they're having these cars where they're making them so the plate is underneath the car. And when you get home, you don't have to plug the car in because in your garage on the floor will be the charging plate. And your car pulls over it and just charges by itself. This is fucking brilliant. That's really brilliant shit. That, I'm serious. If you were to give me fucking 100 years, I couldn't think of that. I would just go like this. Bigger gas tanks for more gas. <laughs> Can we drill for more gas? Is that is The that only ideas that? I could come up are more. <laughs> Make it bigger. As you see, the charging pad is actually not that big. It's a tiny no. little thing that goes on the floor, and it's wirelessly charging. And it's not going to fry a pet if you're walking a dog? Oh, my God, Grandma. <laughs> Stop. It will not fry anything. I'm worried it's going to start a fire. That's why I, I take my uh, toaster. I unplug it at night because I don't want a fire. <laughs> if this works out... My grandmother thought the VCR was going to burn the house down. <laughs> if this works out, we will never have to plug a car in again. Every street will have I've this. I've never plugged one in once. <laughs> I've never even got the chance. You're going to start, and then you're going to stop. <laughs> I, at least, I at least want the opportunity to get annoyed. Well, when the plug-ins become very popular, then you could, like Shelby said, get rid of them. I'll make the kids plug in. Go plug in for Daddy. I'm exhausted. This inductive charging is way in the future. This is some future shit. Wireless charging. All the roads will have them. You will never have to worry about fuel or power again. It will just be done. It will always be charging. Your car will always be running. God, that's nuts, huh? I'm going to miss the gasoline smell, though. I love the smell of gasoline in the, in the morning. <laughs> love it, Huff it. It's pretty unbelievable. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Every one of these things makes me proud to be a human being. And I'm just really hoping that we don't destroy ourselves before some of this stuff happens. They're also showing that if any metal hits the thing, don't worry about it. It, it, it knows that something's hitting it, and it will stop. 
That way there's no fires, no worries. Your house is not going to catch on fire. Everything's going to be good. Can you smell smoke in here? <laughs> I'm worried that it's the recharger. The, the recharger plate. might start, start a fire. <laughs> <laughs> I hate people constantly asking if you smell smoke. I like to start fires. Fuck sure. You're the exact opposite of that fucking Smokey the Bear. You're fucking Lady the Centaur. You I'll creep. take that. I'll take that. Sure you will take it. It's who you are. <laughs> By the way, someone steals your centaur bit in that um, in that special that they did with Arcade Fire. I know. So I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, I don't, I don't especially like it, but still, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> For a while, you hate it. And, and we're ready to fight. And... Somebody painted Todd Helton as a centaur <laughs> for his like last big hurrah as a Colorado Rocky. They just brought him a big painting. Yeah, like, I saw that too. I think that's going to be helpful. Oh, thanks. Now I feel good about myself. <laughs> What's the game tonight? Uh, Rays and Indians. Rays or Indians? Give me the Indians. Wow. Give me the Indians. It is about that time that the Rays shut on their season. <laughs> I can't lose. Who picked fucking... You know, the Rays have hung around for so long that it's ridiculous that they never won a series or have any fans. Longoria's going to fucking fall apart. I mean, that was a fluke the other night. It was a goddamn fluke. All right, there you have it. This guy's on a fucking hot streak, Yeah, too. really. You can't fucking... You can, I can't bet wrong. You know, Cleveland seeing Pittsburgh win must have hurt even more. They're like, oh, man, no. Both of us aren't going to win. No, lock it up. Cleveland Indians. All right, what else you got? The last thing is, which is more prominent now, since um, everyone uses their phone in their car, how do we make the car and your phone hands-free? Mm -hmm. A lot of people use Bluetooth. That way, you know, you don't hold the, the phone up to your head. Cops really can't see it as well. Now they're trying to incorporate your phone into the car. So on the dash, if you receive a text message, it comes up on the dash. Uh, Nissan's doing that right now. You'll see it on the dash, and we'll also read it out loud to you. Many cars are doing this now. We'll read the text. That way, you don't have to fumble with it. Um, you also have the option to give tech responses back. You, not where it's too customized, but it's like, hey, I'm driving home. I'm coming home. I'll see you later. You can right. at least do that. In the future, I'm thinking, all you have to do is press the button down, you tell the car whatever you want to say, and then guess what? It will be sent. That's where we're heading towards. I just don't want it to say, you know, I'll be over there at 9, and then it fucking sends out, me fuck your ass and pussy. Because <laughs> you can't trust these things. No, there'll be some hiccups in the beginning. I think my dad has this where, like, it would show up a call and you can just press it, but he always has no idea what's going on, so there would just be this ringing sound going off. You know, I don't know what to <laughs> press. What the fuck? <laughs> like, we all think we're just going to be experts at this technology. <laughs> no, it's all really fucking hard. I probably use my phone for about one-eighth of a percent of what it could be used for. People are always showing me stuff. There's plenty of apps out there. Oh, there's Voxer. What the fuck is Voxer? It's fun. Think of Candy Crush? Are you Temple trying Run? Weebly? <laughs> Gotta get on Weebly. I got a great game where you kick field goals. I fucking nailed one for like 60 out with like 20 fucking <laughs> 20 miles per hour winds. It was sick. Yeah, you know it's just a fucking game if you're selling out it. <laughs> Come on, I got it together. Yeah, I saw you injure yourself at a fucking unmasked. 
<laughs> I was walking backwards, right? I don't know what that fucking speaker's doing out there anyway with giant legs. Speaker that's been there for years? Yeah, that's... It's like fucking two years ago, and he's still furious about it. Yeah, well, I still almost trip over it sometimes. All right, we've got uh, Paul Williams uh, coming up. Your chance to win for first responders. And this is a real collectible and perfect Christmas present for a kid in your life. Child, niece or nephew, you give them the Muppets uh, movie, which is going to be around for hundreds of years. And it's signed by the man who wrote the music that's just uh, phenomenal. So for first responders, it's I am Paul Williams. I am Paul Williams. And uh, he also has another Twitter, right? Yeah, it's at Gratitude Trust. All right, so th- we're going to put this out for some first responders. It's coming up in just a little bit. We're going to break first and come back with him or break and come back? We'll break first. We'll break and then come back with Paul Williams? Yeah. All right, so for the first responders, it's I am, I am Paul Williams. And another one is... Gratitude Trust, at Gratitude Trust on Twitter. Um, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Paul Williams. You heard him on with O&A today. But not only is he just a great songwriter, was a, uh, a great personality, but really one of the good guys at helping uh, alcoholics and drug addicts. He's a guy I've heard about for a long time. Another one who was that way was a songwriter. People don't even know this. Warren Zevon was the same exact way. But Paul Williams is a a guy that's just so open to making the world uh, a better place and helping people. And I'm just uh, a huge fan of him as a human being. Uh, so it's I am Paul Williams for the first responders. I hope you guys get on this because we've got such a great prize. It's the nearly 35th anniversary edition of the Muppet movies, and that's uh, phenomenal. Uh, we'll be right back. It's the Ron and Fez Show. The Ron and Fez Show. Someone believed it Look what 
what it's done so far. What's so amazing that keeps us stargazing? And what do we think we might see? Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lover, the dreamer, and me. Something that I'm supposed to be Someday we'll find it The rainbow connection The lovers, the dreamers Paul Williams is in studio with us, the nearly 35th anniversary edition of the Muppet movie, which makes everyone feel old. You know, and how perfectly Muppety that it's the nearly, not <laughs> nearly. the 35th, but the nearly, you know. When you go back and listen to these songs, do you think about recording them, or do you think about the writing process? You know, I think about the writing process uh, most of the time. Mm -hmm. Most of the songs, I'm not there when they're when they're being recorded. With with the Muppet movie, because I produced the album and, and wrote the songs with Kenny Asher, I have both memories. I have the memory of sitting down with Kenny Asher. You know, Kenny and I wrote, wrote the Rainbow Connection, and we had everything except the title. Someday we'll find it. The lovers, the dreamers, and me. Someday we'll find it. And my wife at the time said, "What is? What are you? What are you looking for?" I said, "Well, there's a connection with rainbows." That, that that we're looking with. There's, you know, Kermit's sitting out there. There's a rainbow. He has a connection with it. There's, so there's a rainbow connection. We can't find it. And we said rainbow connection probably nine times. And she finally <laughs> said, so you're looking for the rainbow connection. And when she said it, we heard it as a title. Right. So, well, that's one of the great moments where we ran away from the dining room table. And she's, where are you going? We said, we're going to go right down the title. And, and uh, so that I think about, but but I also remember going in the studio with Jim and Jim singing the Rainbow Connection, and it not working. Really? There was something just a little off, and I actually had the audacity to say to Jim, "I would actually like Kermit to sing it. Do you think you want to get Kermit?" And he went, "Yeah, good idea." And he went and got Kermit, and we put the lights down a little in the studio, and Kermit sang it. He had Kermit with him, and it was it was. I think we did it in, in a take. But that's the interesting thing. I think I wonder if that's because you had the acting background to know that he wasn't totally in character yeah. yet. You know? I think I think that the you know the fact that I wanted to be an actor, you know, I wanted to be somebody else mainly. I was mm -hmm. a weird little guy, and I wanted to be some other weird little guy. Uh, I think that that the acting had a, a huge influence on probably my songwriting as well. I think mean, I think that there was a a connectedness to the to the emotion. 
that uh, that that act, acting out what I was feeling was kind of a part of the writing process. You know, do you ever think that it's the character writing the song? Do you write from a character point of view? You know, in I'm 23 years sober, and and uh, the world is a safer place. And when I was newly sober, the first thing that I was given a chance to write was the songs for the Muppet Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm which is a perfect first project for somebody who's just getting sober because you've had a spiritual awakening. You're going to write a, a move. You're going to write songs for a movie about a guy named Scrooge who's going to have a spiritual awakening. So you're writing about who you are. I was writing about who I, I thought I really was. And it, it, it was the first time where I actually totally got out of the way and allowed my unconscious to do the writing. And, be, and the, the, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting process because I'm looking at the first song that's required, and it's, it's Scrooge's I Am song. We see his feet coming out of a building. We see him as he's walking along, and as he goes by these little characters like Ritzel and, and, and the, like, you know, the rat and all, yeah. everybody gets kind of colder as he goes by. And I literally said, I had read the original Dickens uh, Christmas Carol. I read the script that Jerry Jewell had written for, for the Muppet Christmas Carol. I looked at the song. I looked at the scene. And I, I basically sat down and I went, all right, unconscious. When you have an idea, let me know. Big Amigo, whoever is up there doing the writing, mm-hmm. uh, when you have an idea, let me know. And I picked up a Lawrence Block mur- murder mystery. And I started reading the, the mystery. And about three pages in. I mean, without even thinking, without consciously thinking about it, I put the book down and I went, okay, he's walking. When a cold wind blows, it chills you, chills you to the bone. But there's nothing in nature that freezes your heart like years of being alone. I went, boo, that's not not bad, you guys. (laughs) And it's like, I know that my unconscious was writing it. I know that that I was part of the creative process. But but the longer I'm alive, the more I feel that there's sort of this connectedness to spirit or sure. or creative process. I mean, you you've got to feel it as well. Well, uh, anytime uh, I've ever said to myself, I've got a good idea. I know it's not mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know that something just showed up at the right time, and you you've yeah. got to be there for it. I, the, the, you know the 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 thing that I if people wonder what it was what it's like you know that that are involved in in writing what i use as an example is when you're trying to remember somebody's name and you can't mm-hmm. or trying to remember the name of a movie and you can't and all of a sudden if you uh if you just you're washing dishes or you're doing something thinking about something else the name will pop into your head yeah so your unconscious is powerful it is so powerful and yet you also need craft that's the conscious mind has to be there the person exactly. who catches it you know a little bit of inspiration a lot of perspiration right i forget who said that but it was it's appropriate but do you think you brought up the sobriety and i'm also uh sober now too and wonderful very very happy to be there lovely but do you do you feel like that made you a better writer or at least more appreciative of what was happening you know i've i'm writing a book called gratitude and trust recovery is not just for addicts with a friend tracy jackson we have a a website called gratitude and trust.com i think that that getting sober made everything in my life better first of all the world's a safer place with paul williams you know in the car you know with (laughs) the vodka and cocaine out of his system but the fact is that everything in my life you know you know that that's that spiritual journey affects everything and and clear vision is you know the, the longer i'm sober the a the, the less i feel that i have to do with with the the best parts of my life i feel like they're all a gift mm-hmm. and i think that 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 uh that it's something we can pass on and share with everybody it, it it's so interesting because i've had this um 
conversation before with people that aren't addicts, and I said, but sometimes it seems like if you did some of the work, you find that yourself feeling ecstasy yeah. in places that you didn't feel ecstasy before, sure. nature or whatever, you know? I, I think it's fantastic. So you're really writing this book for people who aren't necessarily. Exactly. You yeah. know, Tracy Jackson, you know, said, you know, it's amazing. You know, like, you look at your life and, you know, you were, you know, if you were face down in your own spew, you know, mm-hmm. and then you look back and you're president and chairman of the board of ASCAP. What happened to your life? You know, like you, you're, you're so awake. What happened? Yeah. So I didn't want to like rewrite the process that I had used to get, but we started talking about, wouldn't it be wonderful if there was something that you could, could, create to pass on to people with certain principles that were that were similar and we started out with the, with the writing affirmations and affirmations that that would be action affirmations the first one is something needs to change and it's probably me mm. the second one is i don't know how to do this but something inside me does you know uh the third one is i will learn from my mistakes and not defend them basically what we're what we're creating is not for the person with a life-threatening disease of alcoholism or addiction, but somebody, whether they're picking the wrong mate again and again and again, if they're, if they're a gossip, if they, you know, they're in a victim mode, if they have a number of the variety of, of life-limiting habits. Sure. That, and so we've made a deal with Penguin. We delivered the book in March, and it'll be out next year. Well, I think it's great because there's not a lot of stuff written for people who've been in recovery for a while, too. Yeah, to, sure. You know, so much of, about it is that day-to-day, that first day. Sure. But to be around for a while, and I do, you know, I get to dry drunks all the time. I'm sure. I'm just, you know. The, off. Rat, the rats get to chewing on the wires. and Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, I get to get off by myself and forgetting, yeah. you know, all the stuff that I did. And I'm like, you know, just because I'm not using, yeah. I still seem like that same creep sometimes. Absolutely. You know, you know I, I, I will arrive uh, uh, amongst our peers in a in a, a really cranky sort of you know busy-headed place and and I find that if I really concentrate you know if I get in the moment if especially around other alcoholics it puts me back in my body and absolutely it's, it's a process that that I need uh, in the film that uh, the documentary yeah that you did there was a point that I thought was so perfect when you were a little upset with his tone and you said I don't like the way that this is playing out now and I thought that is so you could tell that you were far along enough in your recovery to just say this this one thing I'm not comfortable with not you know hey motherfucker you yeah, know what yeah, I mean yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean which we normally do sure sure you know and I, I think those are the kind of lessons where, where it moves along and really becomes about being enriched, an enriched it's, life. It's, you know, it's a process that begins with, with a moment of honesty. You know, when, you know for, for me and, and for you, I would imagine it, it began with my willingness to turn for the first time in my life instead of being fine. And looking like I had my act together, trying to look like I had to get it together when I didn't, when I was willing to turn to a, to a bunch of people I didn't know and say, you know what, I'm dying here and I have no idea what to do. I'm scared to death and I have no idea what to do. And, and that honesty was rewarded with a new life. Mm. So the, 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 and, and the, the other thing that changes, I think, in sobriety is, is you begin to, to realize that, you know, for the, for the friend who is like, you know, who is just a dick, you know, right. that is just a dick, that is just somebody that is just again and again a problem. There's something in the headwaters of his life experiences that helped create that. So, you know, that, you know, that, that you know, God made the asses, too, is a, right. a line that, I, that I've heard again and again and again. And the ability to pray for that person 
You know, that's that's the old expression, you know, like you, instead of sitting there with a resentment, pray for the son of a bitch. So, yeah, that's the essence of, of, of recovery for me is to realize that the guy that is rubbing up against you as as just fingernails when his very voice is like fingernails <laughs> on a blackboard. You got to realize that there's a human being in there and and uh, and don't judge him. Uh, well, that's also to take us back to acting that a good actor who's playing. I don't know, Hitler or Charlie Manson tries to figure out how did he get to this point, sure, sure, you know? Sure. And most of us, uh, by not paying attention, get to those certain points yeah, yeah. in our life. But I, I also think of how many great people, so many of your peers, didn't get the chance to get that awakening that you had, you know? Um, you know, I wrote a song for the end of the movie called Still Alive, and, and it, 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 in the chorus, it, the bridge is, it, someone asked me once, where do we go when we arrive, if we're lucky? When it's over, the dreamer's still alive, a blessed mystery, for sweeter souls did not survive. And there's a lot of sweeter souls sure. that did not survive, from Whitney Houston to, you know, to Michael Jackson to great from one of my great friends a guy named tom jance who was a wonderful songwriter died in his early 30s of drug a uh, drug overdose just you know uh it's a, it's a, it's a miracle that we that we survive well i always think of when i think of your writing another writer that i'm sure you uh, know very well Harry Nilsson. I Great always fan. think of you guys as a one two punch when i hear your music sometimes i'm like Either one of those guys could have written that sure, song, sure. and I. Oh, was... I love, that's a great compliment. Yeah. Thank you. I, I loved Harry, and and, and uh, I actually wrote a song called "Nilsson Sings Newman." Which yeah, it was about because hey, I loved. I'm trying to tell Harry how much I love him, and he's going, "No, no, 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 no. This is the guy who's playing all this <laughs> Randy Newman for me," you know. So, uh, uh, yeah, and Harry was Harry was sober when he died. Finally, you know, but you know mm-hmm. he he drank that really sweet sweet brandy and for endless you know his he just and i don't think he ever ever exercised a day in his life I yeah don't, you know he ever moved you know but uh but i loved him a brilliant writer fantastic writer um because uh well the point and Bugsy Malone were always two pieces wow, of work you. that I'm like, God, the, 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 it was almost about the same time that you guys were, were yeah, well, doing that. The point was a little earlier, but me and my arrow, straight up and narrow. I mean, it just, it just everything he wrote was one. You know, the aerial ballet and the pandemonium shadow show, those two albums, his first two records, and the point, I thought were just plain brilliant, you know? Yeah. Just genius stuff, but then when you go back and see the stuff, he was, uh, you know, it's amazing that you could write these sweet, beautiful songs and be somewhat of an unhappy guy. Oh, yeah, and he was edgy. I mean, like, I remember he, uh, yeah, and uh, I had this conversation with Jimmy Webb that, that I had done uh, a match, I think the match game. And I yeah. loved the match game. It was, it was, there was something kind of edgy and intellectual about, yeah. you know, about, uh, what was her name? She was married to Jack. Brett. Um, Brent. Yeah, you know who I mean. Yeah. Anyway, and you know, Charles Nelson Riley was on the show, you know yeah. the regulars on the show, and and so the phone rings and I'm in my den and I'm it's, it's Harry and it's about eleven o'clock at night or whatever and he, we're talking and he said what are you doing I said I just got back and I just did the match game I said you know it's like the Algonquin of, of the game shows and he went you bastard you how how dare you son of a bitch like that click and he hangs up on me. So I went, yeah, that's interesting, <laughs> you know, you know, so he was obviously drunk, you know, I probably was too. But a couple of days later, you know, he calls and asks me about something and I went, you, you, 
I, I thought you were mad at me. He said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you hung up on me. But anyway, when I was thinking, I, I shared that story with Jim, with Jimmy Webb. And Jimmy said, oh, he did it with all of us. He, you know, he said, there was nothing unique in your experience with Harry. He would do that with all of us. Jimmy Webb was in not too long ago. And he's, you know, his path kind of follows yours. Yeah. Where he was out to, you know, wrote all those great songs, fell into addiction, and now is... Really, really strong and doing great. Yeah. You know, he's the you know he's the, the chairman of of the Songwriter Hall of Fame, and he's also mm -hmm. on the board of directors. Of that. He's my vice president at ASCAP. I'm president chairman of the board of ASCAP. He's writer vice president and a great advocate for for writer music creators' rights. You two all grown up now. All grown up. We're doing our impression of a grown up. We're getting close. <laughs> We're getting close. I mean, I just turned seventy three. And I feel better, you know. I, I, in the last about a year ago, I lost thirty pounds. I started running every day. I feel wonderful. I have a relationship with my with my kids that I, I've never had before. You know, to to this depth. Uh, I, I have a great marriage to a little Swedish my little Swedish and Mexican Mariana. She's has. Uh, Two Swedish relatives who live about 80 miles away, and then she has about 200 Mexican relatives that live in my backyard. Is the way I describe <laughs> it, you know. But uh, but you know, my life is is amazing. I you know, I'm writing Pan's Labyrinth as a musical with Guillermo del Toro and wow. Gustavo Santaolalla. Uh, I've got a, you know, and I've got this Daft Punk album came out, and was, which is a huge surprise that I wound up writing two songs with them and, and I, sing on it. I've heard that is amazing, and it, it's also interesting for them to make that. You move. know, very courageous for you know, like these guys pretty much created EDM, you know, mm -hmm. the whole electronic dance thing, and and instead of just doing one more album right down the center of the pike and and selling millions and millions of records doing that, they they decided to do something with. You know, that was really very organic with, you know, with a bunch of old guys, you know, geezer rock. What mm -hmm. can I tell you? Uh, is it a different experience when you went for one song than when you're, you're looking at like a pen slammer where you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, because yeah. you're right. You know, with I'm writing that with Gustavo Santo Alaya and, and the uh, we actually we wrote two songs for a movie called The Book of Life, uh, mm -hmm. an animated film for Fox is coming out this year, next year. And that was where we, we began our writing process and, and working together. It's now going through the, the story of Pan's Labyrinth, which is an amazing adult fairy tale, you know, that Guillermo del Toro wrote. And, uh, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a long process too. I mean, I, Gary Marshall and I wrote Happy Days in a musical based on it, on his television series. It's going to be start touring Europe and or the United Kingdom in January. And we worked on it like three years. It's a, it's a long process. And you're working with Gary, and he's a guy who doesn't really have a musical background, right? No, I did words and music to it, you know. But he, they're his carry. I mean, he invented yeah. the fonts. You know, he knows right. these guys. So the the script is by the by is the Bible, you know. Mm -hmm. And you and you're comfortable with that? No, oh, totally, that that, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. Well, Gary is just. I mean, Gary's he's the Gary Marshall. Gary's his middle name. His first name is the. You know. <laughs> Um, it's, you know, we were going back talking about Harry Nilsson and, and Jimmy Webb. There were so many great songwriters, singer-songwriters at that time. J.D. Souther oh, was... I just saw him. He's, I had dinner with him on my birthday. Uh, amazing writer. And, again, all you guys were kind of side-by-side side doing, you know, your own separate projects. Yeah. Jackson Brown at the yeah. same time. It's amazing how many songwriters just sprung up in the same place. You know, I was when we were working on Daft Punk, we were at the, the recording studios. It used to be A&M Records recording studio. Mm -hmm. And then I'm, I'm in there listening to a playback of, of Touch. 
or, or beyond. And and I said to the guys, you know, that you know this studio right across this studio is where I recorded uh, out in the country on on which is my first hit with Three Dog Night, but yeah. my my version of it. And in the studio across the, the way was was uh, was Jackson Brown. Uh, uh, who oh god there was an amazing lineup of Jerry Beckler from America yeah uh, who else Joni Mitchell Joni Mitchell yeah Joni wow. Mitchell and they all and they all thank you and that's Nancy Munoz who works with me at ASCAP <laughs> and and runs my life She's, I have a great memory hi Nancy <laughs> there's but, your memory over there there's huh? my memory over there but but uh, yeah Joni Mitchell was you know so and they were just there I mean they were friends and they were there I mean I, I knew some of them better than others but we just kind of stuck our head in and said, would you come sing background? And they trotted on over. And it's like, you know, I mean, it was a unique time. But, but at that time, were you appreciating the fact that, oh, my God, all these people were in or out? Or does that take some history? Well, you know, look back at? you know, I think that at that point I was I was, you know, I was just really impressed with them and all. I think that as my drinking and using progressed, I developed a kind of an arrogance that, you know, if you look at the, the documentary, there's a footage of me hosting the Merv Griffin show, which is really hard for me to watch. I'm just this most mm. arrogant, shallow, vapid little prick. It's just, you go, how? And I had no idea I'd become that. I mean, in the midst of my addiction, I, I had become this storeroom model of myself, his showroom model of myself. It was just, hey, right. am I fabulous? And it was just... It's hard to watch that. Well, that's the guy that started cashing the checks for the unconscious creativity, yeah, exactly. you know, and started taking credit for the work. Right. And and uh, oddly enough, that those years, uh, those you know, that lost decade, you know, of of my addiction, is probably the most. You know, is uh, if there was are ten years that I would not trade. Right. It would be those ten years. I think I've never felt more useful than I do right now. You know. And I never felt more connected to the world. And I think that, that all of that came through getting to a place where I just had to had to throw up my hands and say, I am not in charge. I don't know how to do this. Will you help me? How long was the sobriety around before you started to feel comfortable with it? Oh, I was on fire with it. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I went to UCLA, got my certification, did the, their certification process for, as a drug and alcohol counselor. I entered what I refer to as the Pauli Lama period of my <laughs> life. You know, I was just, you know, just come touch the hem and I will get strike you sober. I loved it immediately. I think that that it was probably five years or, or so into the deal where where all of a sudden I I really began to look at. But, you know, even my childhood, I mean, I went to nine schools by the time I was in the ninth grade. My, my dad was killed when I was 13. I was shipped off to live with an aunt and uncle, so I lost both parents. I should have been, I mean, I had this horribly sad childhood and felt none of it. And I looked at it maybe like five years sober. I looked at my childhood and I went, oh, my God, why weren't you sad? I mean, long before I drank like an alcoholic, I acted like one. I just didn't love, I didn't feel it. I just got this glazed look in my eyes and I was fine. I was fine. And about five years sober, I went, boy, there's stuff to feel there and there's stuff to process. Well, I think I think it was probably smart of that kid to numb out until he could get old enough. It's, you, 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 know? you know, exactly. You you know, as and most adult children of alcoholics will look at, at their, their their childhood. And you know, I remember driving in the car with my dad when I felt like my concentration was keeping the car on the road because he was so drunk. And again, that to me is the like that's probably the birthplace of, of grandiosity for me. Rather than look at the fact that I was, you know, in in at the mercy of somebody who was not equipped to be my parent, 
rather than to deal with that, I just gave myself power. I just became, oh, I can concentrate on the road and keep the car on the road, you know. And, and I think a lot of little boys do that. Sure. Little girls. And probably another reason that, you know, when all the success started happening, you kind of built that character that was going to go on TV. And, you know, you, you became a real personality. You know, uh, yeah, I became better at showing off than showing up is the right. way I describe it. You know, but I remember sitting, I remember, you know, I, I was working a lot with Liza and I was friends with, with Jack, her husband, uh, Jack Haley. And so Jack was producing the Academy Awards, and and I, I was going to be presenting, and, and I, it might have even been been the the year after I won or or before, but but Jack saying, you know, uh, let's get you out of the crowds, put you back in you know in in a green room. And I went back in the green room, and it was sitting there. It was like Cary Grant and Betty Davis and Sinatra, and I mean, just this collection of just, I mean, a gathering of eagles, you know. Sure. And I and I I look back at that, and I go, what did you feel? Because now, looking back, I go, wow, I'm sitting there going, how did I, I don't belong here, how did I wind up with it? I'm this little guy from Bennington, Nebraska, you know, what What am I doing with these people? And I'm. what did I feel at the time? I don't know, I just felt like, I felt like I fit right in. Yeah, this is us, us big shots are here. I look back on it and I go, you know, how could you not just be overwhelmed? You, know? you didn't allow yourself, you did not allow yeah. yourself to yeah. feel any of that, yeah. which is... I guess was an attempt at survival, right? Don't you think I would it was? Think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, the thing about your skills um, that I, I find to be phenomenal, because the beginning of Ishtar to me is one of the funniest things. Thank you. That's ever happened. The, the New York scenes are phenomenal. Yeah. When and, they go to the desert, it gets a little weird. Uh, yeah, they got lost in the desert and everything got away. But the 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 scenes where they're writing. Anyone who's ever done anything in, in show business has been those two guys. You know what I mean? You're trying to write, you're mining a song, and it's like, yeah, and they were wonderful. They Unbelievable. Were, yeah, they were so so good at that, you know. And actually, Dustin Warren wrote some lyrics as well for, you know, for a couple of the other songs. But, yeah, I'm really proud of that opening. Well, just the fact of writing a bad, catchy song is kind of phenomenal it's never done on purpose you know and when you can hear a rose <laughs> when you can smell a waterfall <laughs> when you can taste the pride in dallas and lose your taste for malice when everybody gets a fair shake and it's nobody's turn in the barrel that's when the morning is going to change your name to carol it was just one of my favorite i don't know if that would even made it in the, in the fully in the movie but well, she said, come look, there's a wardrobe of love in my eyes. Yeah, the, take take your time, look around, try to find something your size. <laughs> it's, it's, Dustin it's says, amazing. when you're hot, you're hot. Yeah, there yeah. it is. They look at each other. Well, there we go. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, that's such great stuff. But that takes so much craft to be able to pull that off. Oh, yeah. 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 It, you know, I... I I am probably more proud of that work than the, you know. The, I mean, that sits way, way up at the, at the top of, of, of. I allow myself some pride because it, you know it's it's authentic mm -hmm. for two characters. It was like trying a split personality writing for these two different characters and all. And oddly enough, there's a the, you know we just got a really good review in the New York Times, you know, because they're releasing the the Blu-ray right. of the of Ishtar. And it's just, I mean, it just got the worst reviews ever, and, and 
I probably and it didn't deserve any of them. I don't. Well, think. I think a lot of that had to do with movie star. You know, it's always yeah. somebody's time in the bucket. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Uh, everyone's time wrong. to suffer. One. Yeah, yeah. They'll, yeah, they've done it. That Tom Hanks has got it in the back, and then he gets back up again. Sure, just sure. something they do. Um, it's so great to have you stop in and be able to talk about this stuff. When's the book? The book is for, for Penguin. It'll be out yeah. in the fall of 2014. We deliver in, the, in March and all, but the website is gratitudeandtrust.com. And, and of course, uh, and yeah. my my Twitter account is at I am Paul Williams. The letter I, the letter M, Paul Williams. I am I am I am totally addicted now to, to social media. I just I love it. Is you because it keeps you connected all the keeps time. Keeps you connected. Yeah, you know. So all of a sudden, I'm talking to. To you know, to Edgar uh, Edgar Wright or or uh, or to to Big Kenny of of Big and Rich, or, you know, guys yeah. like that. And you know, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. It's an, and it's a way to build an, uh, you know a readership for the for the book, which is really a labor of love. Well, I can't wait, and it's thirty five years, uh, all, nearly nearly thirty five years. years. Uh, anniversary edition of the Muppet movie. So great to have the chance to talk to you. What man, a treat, really. brother, sober brother. You know, there you go, uh, there man. You go. And you, uh, you, you're one of the people I look to. God bless. In all That's honesty. fantastic. I'll see you next time. Yeah. Talking to myself and feeling old Sometimes I'd like to quit Nothing ever seems to fit Hanging around Nothing to do but frown Rainy days and Mondays always get me down What I the blues Nothing is really wrong Feeling like I don't belong Walking around Some kind of lonely cloud Rainy days and Mondays Always get me down Funny but it seems I Wind up here with you Nice to know somebody loves me Funny but it seems that it's the only thing to do Run and find the one who loves me Uh, that was Paul Williams for First Responders. Uh, it's at I am Paul Williams. That's at I am Paul Williams. Also at Gratitude Trust, at Gratitude Trust, and at I am Paul Williams. Remember that that's the letters I am Paul Williams. Um, I actually just got this sent to a guy named Gordon, uh, sent it to me. He said, I really needed a meeting today and could not get out to make one, and you brought it to me. I'm rarely serious with what I send to you, but I thank you so much for today. Uh, obviously, you don't push this stuff on anyone. Uh, Hicks, 
likes to stay out there and party, I would never tell him not to. But for the people who uh, want to quit, you'd be pretty lucky to have a Paul Williams in your life. And one of the great things about it, and he was uh, telling me after, is that he uh, loves it when you know people text him and ask any kind of uh, advice about it, stuff like that. He's a really, really great, great guy. Uh, as well as being really one of the most talented songwriters ever. I love the fact that I kept bringing up different songwriters. And he would be like, oh, Harry Nelson and I, best buddies. <laughs> uh, Terry Southern just had uh, dinner with him. Um, Jimmy Webb, who we had on the show not too long ago. Jackson Brown and Joni Mitchell, yeah, they sang on some of my stuff. It's just really amazing when you um, think about it. At I am Paul Williams, at I am Paul Williams, or at Gratitude Trust, the nearly 35th anniversary re-release of the Muppet movie on DVD, signed by Paul Williams, who did all the songs. Uh, here's uh, Bobby. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Uh, fascinating interview with the... Uh talks of addiction and inspiration had a couple. Um, you talked about uh, briefly about being a dry drunk, and uh, I was just curious as to what... I, I've been sober for 14 days now. I know it's not that much of an accomplishment, but... It's I a great, great accomplishment, dude. Thank uh, I, I feel great um, with alcohol, and I, regarding the dry drunk, does that, call, does that come from craving, or is it uh, just a mental state? Well, here's how I would put it. It's like when you are acting like an alcoholic, acting like a drunk or drug addict, but you're not using. So yesterday of me snapping at Chris Stanley plays into the fact that I am not being fucking level. There's no... I can have, uh, I can have the same kind of things in my life, but I'm, when I'm that quick... To be judgmental, be furious, lose my emotions. That to me is always the state that I get into where I'm acting like a, a dry drunk. Uh, same with not returning phone calls, not being present, all that kind of shit that's kind of like addictive uh, behavior. Um, for the first responders, it's at I am, just the, uh, the phrase is I am. Paul Williams, and Gratitude Trust, uh, but since you're, Bobby, 14 days into it, and I'm always talking to people who are like, uh, oh man, it's tough for me because I'm in the middle of some place. Here's a guy like Paul Williams who says, I'm open to um, to anybody who, you know, needs help. Tech, I'd love to hear from you. So, um, for the first responders, um, make sure you jump on that. Bobby, best of luck to you with the 14 days, too. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate it, buddy. Stick with it, big man. That's really fantastic. Uh, Mike, Mike, you're on the Run of Fez show. Uh, yeah. Hey, Ron, I just, uh, days like this, man, I hope you don't underestimate the power of those interviews because, uh, I grew up with Paul Williams like a lot of guys did my age, and, uh, when he said he was 73, it just really hit me. Uh, I'm so happy that he's, he's happy and, and really sounds really strong and with it. And just, uh, it, it gave me goosebumps at the end of the interview because it just, uh, it was so positive, man. And, and days like this, it's really, 
it really means a lot when it catch a half hour of like just really, really positive vibes on the radio. I'll, I'll definitely look at his book when it when it comes out, man, because it, it sounds like there's a lot of great affirmations in there, probably a lot of really cool stuff. Well, that was the thing that I thought was amazing about the book that he's doing is it's that kind of stuff for people that may not necessarily have an addictive personality. You know, the the whole thing of leading an honest life or a reliable life or a life of service, or like he talked about the fact that he had a true spiritual um, breakthrough, I don't think should be limited to people that just can't handle drinking wine. You know what I mean? It seems like people who could handle wine may also uh, get something out of that kind of stuff. Um, here's uh, Al in Maryland. You're on the Ron Fez show. Ronnie, hey, I just caught the very end of that interview, so I hope to catch the rest of it on uh, replay. It sounded great. Uh, my wife and I, when I first asked her out on a date, Asked her where she wanted to go to see a movie. She wanted to see the Muppet movie of all things, so I knew I had a winner there. But uh, still married to her. I'll have to grab that uh, reissue on the Blu-ray, I guess, uh, remastered uh, Muppet movie. So that would be a good gift for us. So thanks for, for such a great interview. Really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. The Muppet movie is always one of those weird things of how, you know, he wrote uh, some of those songs that were actually even covered by adults for adults after the fact. You know what I mean? Like, people liked it as, you know, for kids, but then the other direction. And he did that, too, with Bugsy Malone, which is, I think, it's truly one of my favorite musicals, and it's all little kids. I don't know whether you guys have ever seen it. Yeah. It's like Boardwalk Empire, <laughs> but no one's older than, like, seven, eight years old. Chachi's in it, uh, Jodie Foster. It's truly a great gangster movie, uh, and it's all little kids. Um, First responders, at I am Paul Williams, the letters I am Paul Williams, or at Gratitude Trust on Twitter. Gratitude Trust is the group that he's uh, doing right now that of how they're going to put the book together? Yeah, it's him and Tracy Jackson that he's working on the book with. That's great, man. I can't wait till that uh, um, book comes down. Um, it is the Ron and Fez show. Getting ready to wrap it up here in a little bit. Uh, we'll uh, give out a prize in just a little bit. Why don't we do this? Why don't you, I'm going to do something um, in that we've never done before. Fez, pick out one of the first responders. All right, I'm going to go with Kingston Pete. Kingston Pete uh, wins what, Fez? Wins the nearly 35th anniversary edition of the Muppet movie, now available on DVD and signed by Paul Williams. Now let's do something a little different. Second responders. What? Second responders. Yeah, yeah. We're going insane. <laughs> you know why? Because it's a hundred, it's a million days of, of Christmas. A million days of Christmas. Um, I am Paul Williams. I am Paul Williams for the second responders. 
jump right into it. Um, here's Chris in Texas. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. I kind of like how he just kind of casually uh, talked about Kermit like he was another Harry Nilsson or somebody he was working with, you know? <laughs> well, when he told that story of how uh, they could not get the voice down until Jim Henson put the puppet in there, that that kind of stuff is just so strange to me. But if you've ever seen any of those uh, Muppet people, uh, they act like those things are real. And we never see the staff go as crazy as when the Muppets are here. Yeah, if, if they swing by here, everyone's losing it. Pictures, it's just it's a, the halls are a buzz if Muppets are in this building. And there's always a thing of, do you want to interview Elmo? And I'm like, no. With Cookie Monster. No, I just would feel weird doing that. Think we can get Kermit. I think I could interview the guy and say, what's it like to play, you know, Cookie Monster? But I don't know if I could talk to Cookie Monster. Googly-eyed felt character. I'd feel like a lunatic. <laughs> um, I am Paul Williams. I am Paul Williams. Uh, here is uh, for the now second responders. Second. Uh, Ken in Maryland, you're on the Run of Fez show. Here's uh, Joseph. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. What's up? Hey, buddy. Hey, hey, hey. Let me tell you something about that. That that uh, one guy says is fighting with. He ain't no good. That's Sam. Well, it's all... Sam, no good. for himself. He did the right thing. He did. I agree. So does my therapist. Yeah, you ended up right becoming the hero of your own life, as... The hero of your own life. I had to swoop in and save myself. Did you say poop? Swoop. It sounded like you pooped on Poops. yourself. Yeah. Poop's not helping me. I didn't here. have to poop in. Poop goes in it toilets. It started like, yeah, it should. Or buckets, if if you really, you know. Um. All right, so uh, feel free to be a second responder. I am Paul Williams. I am Paul Williams. Or at Gratitude Trust. At Gratitude Trust. Um, that was a lot of fun having him in here. I'm such a... Uh, I don't know if there's anything that, that seems like would be the coolest thing in the world to do. Is can you imagine being a songwriter and then having people sing those songs? And having those songs live... 35, 45, 55. Now, Generations. Yeah, now, if you look at like Cole Porter, that's what over probably, uh, you know, 100 years, Stephen Foster. I mean, those songs mean just as much. I listen to Cole Porter music, and I'm like, I don't know if there's too many guys yet that have written this good. It's some heavy shit. Well, this was fun today. Um, at Gratitude Trust, at I am Paul Williams for the responders. Uh, always a great thing when people can get out there. And also give them a follow. Jump on and give them a follow. Uh, because he's uh, a good dude and somebody you could end up in a conversation with. Um, all right. That's it for us. We got anything we need to plug, Chris? I think we're good. 
Shelby, you got anything you need to plug? I'm solid. Uh, Jimmy in Boston, you're going to be my last hey. caller. Hey, Ron, uh, uh, great show today. One thing, though, I think I think Fez owes, owes a debt of gratitude to Sam. Because I, I, I've never heard Fez talk more in, in, in four hours than I have today. Today was a very confident day for Fez, and I think what you got to learn from that, Fez, is when you accomplish something, you've stood up to somebody like Sam, who obviously... Chris Stanley's been afraid of for years. Sure. Shelby's noticed uh, that his lunch has been missing out of the fridge. He pushed me into a urinal once, and I was just really upset over it. I didn't know what to do. No. Thank you, Fed. Well, I, I never even brought this up, but one time Sam came up to Pips and fingered his ass. Oh, God, that's, that's wrong, unless Pips wanted him to. That's even wrong, too. That's, that's wronger than anything else. Yeah. Wrong too. Uh, great story out today. We'll have to get to this tomorrow. Mia Farrow in Vanity Fair is now saying maybe that never was Woody Allen's kid. Do you <laughs> notice how much he looks like Frank Sinatra? <laughs> and I just looked at the picture. He looks like fucking Frank Sinatra. Also, the new Terry Richardson. I can't believe we didn't get to this picture all day. This is the most fucking knockout woman I've seen ever. We are so stupid for not getting to this. Oh my god. Totally ridiculous. Have you... Th there's a picture up on the iBang of Terry Richardson does it again. Not safe for work. This that may be the perfect woman's figure. Just and Fez, even you would have to go for that. Right, Fez? It's okay. You're the fucking lying. That's You're gay. I mean... Yes. Wait. Not yet. <laughs> I am Paul Williams. For now, second responders, I am Paul Williams. Thanks a lot, everybody. Uh, that's it for us. We'll see you guys back in here tomorrow. And who knows? Maybe Fez will have another big win. Uh, that's the end of my show. Donk. It's the Hopper from Dish Network. Here's what you want to do in your life. You don't want to be bullied by the cable company DVR. Stick up for yourself. Get the hopper from Dish Network. Dish Network, the hopper, you're never going to lose a show. Why? It's the only DVR system, the whole home DVR system, that has 2,000 hours of storage time. 2,000 hours. You're not going to lose your show because you didn't get to see last week's episode. You didn't watch it in three days' time. No. Your shows stick around. Your sporting events, your music concert, anything you want to watch and you have pre-recorded, it's going to stay there. Because you got all the room in the world, all the room to spare with 2,000 hours of storage time on the Hopper from Dish Network. Plus the Auto Hop, the only DVR with Auto Hop where you don't have to fast forward through your commercials of your pre recorded primetime programs because the Auto Hop will do it for you. All these great features. All in one DVR system, the Hopper from Dish Network. 1-800-WATCH-TV. That's 1-800-WATCH-TV to get the Hopper from Dish Network. Call today. Get set up with the Hopper. 1-800-WATCH-TV. That's 1-800-WATCH-TV.